everyone, welcome to Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and joining me, of course, is the ever-quotable Jay. You know we ain't got no quotes for Horror Coliseum, especially when one of the movies has a silent protagonist. Antagonist, not protagonist. I got my terms mixed up. Okay, well, you're just as professional as I am. And the Silent Hill biker himself, Kenneth. Woo, yeah, I'm here. And joining us from the the depths of mines and deep ones and other uh, erotica is Brian M. Sammons. How you doing? Hey, everybody. I'm doing okay. How y'all doing? Can't complain here. I mean, I can, but no one gives a shit. Well, (laughs) Jay does, but... I do. I know, Jay. That's why I say I included you, Jay. I made sure everyone knows that you actually care about my feelings. Well, somebody has to. The universe is a cold, uncaring place. Yeah, the universe is a cat. Yeah, I don't yeah, think about Jerry's feelings anymore when I masturbate. You won't even look me in the eyes when you jack off with me in the same room anymore. I was uh-huh. literally just at Kenneth's, and he wouldn't even look at me when he masturbated. I hope you're wearing protective glasses. I, I wear glasses. Uh, they're not protective, but they... Fair enough, you know. I don't have the urge to eat him in the eyes anymore. Oh, that takes me back 15 years. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, Brian and Sammons, uh, for the people who, who don't know you, who haven't heard uh, your podcasting ability, or have not read uh, a book that you have been part of, why don't you give a rundown of who you are and what you do in this cold universe? Okay, um... I am an author, an editor, a critic, and a game designer. Oh, and I guess a podcaster as well. I do lots of different things. Um, I generally work in the horror field, although I sometimes dabble in sci-fi or fantasy, but my first and most, uh, my largest love is horror. It's what I respond to the most. It's what makes up the vast majority of my movie and uh, book library. I've been reviewing films and video games and books and God knows what else for over 20 years. Um, I've written a number of short stories in the horror field. Quite a few of them in what's known as the Lovecraft or Cthulhu Mythos type horror universe. Um, But also I do some straight non-mythos-related horror as well. Um, As far as editing goes, about five years ago, I started putting together anthologies for a number of publishers and found out I like doing that a lot. It's uh, fun. I always equate it to, like, directing a movie. Um, It takes a lot of people to make a movie, but the director's vision is the overall umbrella everybody else has to work under. And it that's the same kind of thing when it comes to editing an anthology. I couldn't do it by myself. I need lots of people, but I'm the one with the vision, and I got to work with the authors to make sure they fit that vision. Uh, and then as far as game designer goes, I've done a number of RPG uh, stuff. That's role-playing games for the uninitiated out there. Um, most of my stuff has been for the Call of Cthulhu game, once again, showing my love for Lovecraft, but I've also dabbled in a few other games here or there, but by and large, I'm a Call of Cthulhu game nerd. Um, currently I am the fiction editor for a small publishing house called 
Golden Goblin Press, and I'm just an editor for a slightly bigger publisher called Dark Regions Press. So I'm constantly busy doing stuff. As far as podcasting goes, well, I'm now reduced to just one show, um, and that is the ABCs of Hidden Horror, where we take a look at some of the lesser-known, more obscure horror films, or just films we think doesn't don't get talked about as much anymore, need more love, that kind of thing. Yeah, your S episode had an asshole on it. Well, yes. <laughs> Dave Z, fucking jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, sometimes people do sneak in under the wire and spout their nonsense, but um, most of the episodes are pretty damn good, I would say. Yeah, no, they are. I, I'm a big fan. Anyone on their first episode is like, yo, here's Alligator from 1980. I'm in. I'm good. Yeah. You, you've won me over. Well, that is thanks to my wife, um, Jamie Salmons, used to be Jenkins. Uh, she has a far more extensive podcasting career than I do. She's been doing this for years and years and years. And uh, on ABCs, we each pick a movie that corresponds to a letter in the alphabet as we run through it. And that was her pick. So you have her to thank for that. Very true. And I was just on there for the S episode. Which was a, yes, you were. a fun episode. Uh, Brian brought a movie I'd never even heard of called Supernatural from 1982. Uh, that sounds about right. Early 80s. Uh, Dave Z brought Splinter from the mid-2000s, I believe. I think that's right. And yeah. Jamie brought from the South, also from the mid-2000s, uh, or early 2000s, actually. Uh, early the, 2000s. Yeah, the Skeleton Key... And I brought the Japanese classic Suicide Club. Yeah, that was something I had never seen. If you've never seen Suicide Club, there's only one thing I need to tell you. The movie begins with 54 schoolgirls jumping in front of a bus. If you don't want to see that after I say that, I don't know what to fucking do with you. I'm hard. <laughs> okay, uh, y'all can just count me out from here on. I'm going to go watch Suicide Club. <laughs> Oh, you remember that scene in Tag that we talked about, right? That scene, I actually went, and that's the only part of that movie I've watched so yeah, far, and so it was fucking awesome. Same, same director, and with in Suicide Club, it's it's all it's much more practical. So it's a lot of people just throwing buckets of blood on the fucking thing. Woo! They have that typical uh, Asian affliction where everybody has high pressured water hoses for blood for veins and arteries yeah so blood just sprays out everywhere that's like actually that. realistic i cut off a dude's arm the other day same exact thing yeah well Whoa, they, wait what do you know hold on was he asian no oh can i have the arm <laughs> All right, no this... i ate it and got his powers <laughs> you got the Good power of the arm what to jack off better <laughs> wendigo he can now write cursive Yes, oh, I could. I can't, so that would be helpful. Fuck cursive and smart people. Uh, <laughs> okay, so today we are getting into Horror Coliseum, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, round four. And that puts ding, ding. Friday the 13th, the final chapter, versus A Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master. Uh, and, and of course, we are going to start off... <sighs> with Friday 13th Part 4. 
and we are oh. going to start off with Kenneth. Kenneth's story. Go right ahead. Fuck you. Grab my score. Fuck, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck Kenneth you. Hates fuck going you. First. Oh. oh yes. I gave the story a seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was an all right story. I mean, you know, it was. It, you know, it picked up right where three left off, and you know, I uh, I gave it just a little bit more just because I like the way it was put together. But for the most part, it was kind of generic. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, Jason, he's in the hospital and, uh, you know, he gets out of the hospital, goes back to Camp Crystal Lake and starts killing people. So, you know, but I still gave it a seven because it's one of my favorites in the series. So, Okay, fair enough. Uh, we will move on to Jay. Jay, story. Jay, story. Uh, eight. Because it was good, and there was things that happened, <laughs> and the plot was well. Yeah, you're uh, you're on point today, uh, Jay. Yeah, I know. Look at that uh, descriptiveness. Uh, no, no, I really liked it. I liked the uh, I liked the little side story of the dude trying to hunt down Jason. Um, I liked all the characters. I liked uh, and Tommy Jarvis is probably the best thing about Friday the Thirteenth besides Jason. So. This is the first movie he's in, and he's pretty badass. I mean, I don't know. I kind of like the Devil Mint twins, but whatever. Hey, since he brought up the uh, the thing about the dude coming, uh, he said it, he was looking for his sister Sandra, right? Yeah, from part two. Uh, from part two. How much yeah. time period is there in between that one and this one? Uh, two, two days. days. Yeah, two days. Between part two and part four? Yep. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense if you actually think about it, but... He has brotherly instinct. You know what I'm saying? I he guess. just knew. Yeah, that part doesn't really work. But I guess, especially because if she was supposed to be there all summer, so what, she missed a phone call? And they were. he was like, nope, something's wrong. I'm going down there. But there is a he chance he actually... His gun and his tent. Oh, I've got the answer. Uh, at the beginning of part three, they are actually showing news footage of the event. He actually could have found out from the television and even though they probably wouldn't give him specific details, there is a good chance the police would have already made calls, and he could be going down there because he doesn't either. Maybe the police didn't give calls, but he saw the news story. He's like, I gotta get down there, or the police did call, but he's like, I'm gonna find out more. I don't think she's really dead. I'm double checking on this. So, I would say, okay. depending on how far away he lived, if he can get there in a day, it's possible. Okay. Anyway. Uh, now that we've solved that unsolved mystery, uh, Jay, do you have anything else for story? No, that was it. I okay. gave it an eight. It was good. Brian, story. Okay, I give this an eight. I like that it picks up right, I mean, immediately after the end of the third one. I mean, Jason's still lying in the barn with the axe in his head. Um, I like that it takes its time for Jason to come back and he comes back in style. I love the introduction of Tommy. He is a great character. If this would have been the final chapter as it was billed to be, I think he would have been a great way to end the series. I mean, you know, a kid taking out this monster of a man, this unkillable uh, machine of death that, yeah, he's fallen down and been taken out like two times before, but nothing stops him to finally Tommy does. I love the characters. Uh, some of the Friday 13th characters are hit and miss. Um, but here, they all seem like decent people. Even 
Teddy, who's a bit of an ass with his whole, you know, oh, real quick. Can I say dead fuck? You can say whatever the fuck you want here. I thought so, but I always want to be sure. We don't but, uh, care. With his whole, oh, you're a dead fuck and let me put it in the computer and all that. He seems like a bit of a jerk, but if you notice at the end, he's actually happy for his friend who got laid. And he's like, hey, man, good job. And in a, a different movie, he still would, he would, he would have been a butthurt bitch because <laughs> he ended up having sex with the girl he wanted. And in another movie, he would have been all upset, like, oh, she was mine. And, uh. But here he's like, hey, good job. Look at you. So, I mean. 16 Candles meets Friday the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> so I love the characters. And honestly, while I. Love the series as a whole, and I like many a movie in the Friday 13th series that followed this one. I really do wish this would have been the final chapter, because it ends on a high point. It is a full, complete thing, and it just ends so well that almost the other movies that come... It almost weakens that in retrospect. But in and of itself, it is just it is a solid slasher flick yeah in fact laying my cards on a table it is my favorite slasher flick of mine all time too. It, it's my favorite of the series um mine too excellent now also full di- disclosure this was my first horror movie ever wow yes um until i saw this i was actually a scared little pussy uh, the, the idea of watching horror movies scared me. Just like, oh, if I watch them, I'll have a heart attack or my head will explode or I don't know what the hell would happen. So I actively avoided them until one night I was put in a situation where I couldn't do that. So I just had to, you know, grit my teeth and go, oh, God, here we go. And it was Friday 13th Part 4, and I loved it. So literally, honestly... This movie changed my life. Well, at least I know you're not Catholic. Yes. <laughs> Most Catholic kids who, who who say statements similar to that, it doesn't change their <laughs> life for the better. Yeah. This one did. I mean, it, it is... It developed a love of all things horror for me. I mean, the very next day, I started devouring horror movies. I would have my mother take me to the video store, and I would just rent them by, you know by the bucketful. Me and my buddies, we would have video parties at, you know, on the weekends. We'd all stay at someone's house, we'd rent five or six movies and just mainline them. <laughs> and uh, that all started here. And no one overdosed. No, you couldn't. I, I mean, I've come close, but I'm still a champ at it, I guess. My tolerance is high. Fair enough. All right. So for me, for story, uh, I give it a 9. This is how you attempt to do a new story in the franchise, to bring new elements to a very established formula. Last movie gave us this really, really weak attempt to make characters in the past run have a run-in with Jason. It was terrible. Uh, this one did it by having a relative of a Jason victim out here looking for clues. And, and especially now, even more, that we figured out that he just saw the news report and came out there and solved that whole problem. Double thumbs up for me. Um, it also still gave us our group of teens by replacing the 
camp counselors for you know people there that are there for a weekend party and they did that much better than part three did plus on top of that they gave us a family to latch onto that is is going through a divorce and yet they're still so very loving you have like three separate worlds all coming together and happening at once and doing it in a way that is not confusing you you pretty much have an easy time keeping uh up to beat with every single person uh, and, and so for that, to me, this is what 3 wanted to be and couldn't do it properly. And 4 just nailed it. And on top of that, uh, much better flow with the movie before it. With part going between part 2 and part 3, there's a lot of what the fuck. Why did y'all make the, these choices? Like, why is he now bald? Blah, blah, why is he no longer a fan of overalls? Uh, that kind of stuff. With this one... It's close enough that you don't even real okay okay Jason's still bald okay he looks slightly different a little bit more bubbly head but it's still close enough um, about the biggest difference is he now is goth and has black fingernails that's cool I'm not judging him okay he's allowed in hot topic like everyone else <laughs> um, so I, I give story a nine to me this has the strongest story out of the franchise. Uh, Obviously, it can't be a perfect 10 because, I mean, it's not going to blow your mind, uh, you know, like anal sex without a condom. It's it's just enough to make you go, oh, this is like a slasher perfection. So that, that's how I feel on that. We now move on to character development. Kenneth, what you got? I gave it an 8. I thought all the characters were really, really good. Um, you know, I really like the way that they flushed out Tommy Jarvis. Um you know, giving him the uh, giving him the special effects background, you know, and and knowing how much of uh, that character is based around Tom Savini, so I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, I think the rest of the characters, I mean, they did them very well. They each personality really matched the the type of person that they were, um, especially. Uh, you know, I, I loved Crispin Glover in this. I thought he was great. Crispin Glover's awesome. I know it, man. And he's he just like to see him in this movie was awesome. And 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 so I really enjoyed the characters. I really did. I thought everybody really, you know, come together for the type for for where they were supposed to be sitting in the story. I think everybody did really well. So, you know, I gave it an eight. It wasn't perfect. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, obviously, that I think there could have been a few things that probably could have been, you know, explored a little bit more. You know, um, I think uh, Tommy's sister, you know, could have could have done with a little bit more screen time, in my personal opinion. Uh, you know, preferably nude. Um, yeah, I want to be part of a Jarvis sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, there's a couple of discrepancies that I got about it, but overall, I think the characters were done really well. So I give it an eight. All right, Jay. Uh, pretty much the same thing, except I gave it a seven. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes uh, I'm gonna start Another asking for everybody's scores before I make mine, just to see if what I'm saying makes sense. Jay with we'll, the classic we'll chat ahead of time. Uh, I like. I, I love fucking Tommy. I love Tommy so much. Do um, you really? Yes. That's what works for you. Yeah. So you well, are you know Catholic. What? Corey Feldman, man. <laughs> um, but I love Tommy's character. I love Crispin Glover's character. I like the uh, the dude looking for his sister. Um, like Kenneth, I thought the sister could use a little bit more more development. But for the most part, everybody worked for me. Um, but yeah, I just gave it a seven instead of an eight. 
Okay, fair enough. Brian, character development. Also a seven. Um, I really do like these characters. When I think of slasher film and the the slasher bait, it's these type of characters I think of. Um, they're almost archetypal, but uh, the one drawback is because there's quite a few of them. I mean, you got a whole house full of partying teens, and then you got a mom and a sister and a brother over here. And then, like, the first 20 minutes of the movie, maybe 15, you're in the hospital. So things move briskly, and you don't get a lot of time to really, you know, know these characters. That being said, what time we do have, I like my time with them, and I like these characters. Um, And I like Trish, the sister, comes off a little bit weak and mealy. Uh, mouth a bit in the beginning but at the end i mean she is taking on jason one-on-one and yelling you know tommy get the hell out of here and you were supposed to leave and she's purposely leading the death machine away so her little brother can escape he on the other hand you know because he knows you know makeup and illusion and all that stuff he's like i got an idea um and he goes that extra mile and he's the one who finishes the big bad. So yeah, everybody here. I mean, there's some like I don't think the movie would miss much it, much if the banana hitchhiker lady was gone. Hey, but uh, other than that, I like everyone in this movie, and I think they all fit a very uh, needed role. Fair enough. Uh, so for me, I want y'all to know I regret nothing. I gave it a nine. It checked every box. I was like, does the character play Zaxxon? Yes. Fucking. Check. Is there a doctor <laughs> named Alex who tries to fuck next to dead bodies? Fucking check. Uh, is there a, a, a... I'm sorry, Axel. Yeah, Axel. Sorry, okay, I was thinking of Alex Edwards and him and I making love next to a dead body. Also, don't fucking judge me. Don't kink shame me, Kenneth. Okay? Hey, I don't mind judging. I'm just telling you to get the name right. I mean, you know, if you're going to be thinking about Alex, Alex Edwards, then you could have commented also where he posted that picture of him and uh, Tiffany. And I said that I would buy the porno. Did you? Uh, no, because I'm still waiting for the him and J-Lo porno. Thank you very Either much. Either way, I'd still buy a porno with Alex in it. Uh, Alec, we're trying to get Alex Edwards to do porn. Just, okay, well, I'll seduce him. Uh, <laughs> all right fair enough uh so anyway uh, make it a this is not married with children type porn and he'll definitely do it you know they okay. do they've only got two married with children porn parodies we might need a third one. Oh, he would cut off a nut to be al bundy <laughs> that is 100 percent true so uh back to character development uh, but yeah, I like all the characters in this movie. There is no annoying character that I just I just can't stand. There is, every character is likable. While we don't get big things that explain all of it, everything we get is golden. And um, the only reason I couldn't give it a 10 is because I wanted more Gordon. I felt like we, we could have used more scenes of Gordon being Gordon and doing Gordon-like shit. And the fact hey, that Gordon. they didn't do that. How yeah. you doing, Gordon? Yeah, we'll more... talk later, Gordon. Yeah. Where was the right. talk later Wait. scene? Why was that edited out? Okay, here's a question. Gordon, does he jump out of the window or is he thrown out of the window? So I asked this question to everyone I do an interview with show. And almost <laughs> everybody says suicide. Everyone says Gordon jumps to his death. 
Uh, see, I, I think I, we don't see him dead. Yeah, exactly. I in my world, Gordon is still alive. Yeah, he jumped out of that window and he took the fuck off and said, "Fuck all y'all, I'm done. I don't need a human." Jason that bad. don't kill dogs. That's Michael Myers thing. Yeah, I, 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 he was just like, "Screw this, I don't need a human. I'm good. I don't need a human." Oh, fuck. I can survive in the woods. If the mongoloid can do it, the dog can do it. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's good. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I, I really, I, I love all that. I really don't have anything negative to say about the characters. Because even with the whole Trish thing, uh, we don't get as much as her as we normally get of a final girl. But I'll get when I get to Hero, I'll kind of explain why I'm okay with that. But... A nine. I, I asked solid nine for me. I didn't think about it until you said it, but you're right. There's really not a character that annoys me in this movie. No. There's not one that I'm just like, I really want you to fucking die so I don't see you in the movie anymore. Not a single one. There, there's <laughs> just no one that I'm like, I can't wait for they to die. Can someone please just fucking get this guy over with? Right. So, I mean, that, I, looking at it from that perspective, I probably would have bumped it up to a nine if I'd have thought about that. Yeah, yeah I would have. I think in retrospect, I might have been a bit hard on this movie just because it is, you know, so near and dear to me. I wanted to put on my serious critics hat and not look like a total fanboy. Um, I, I rated everything a 10 and then I just started going through and figuring out reasons <laughs> to knock it down. In retrospect, I would have raised this higher because I did. It, there really is no bad character in this for me. Right. So. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about the horror costumes is every single time we have people going, ah, oh, man, I, I should have changed my score. And that, oh, it literally it is my favorite thing. <laughs> um, speaking of favorite things going through the moonlight, Kenneth, uh, <laughs> pacing and editing. I gave the pacing an eight in this. I mean, there were very, very few times where I felt like, okay, it was dragging just a little bit. Like, right when you get into the Jarvis house and you've got uh, Tommy sitting there playing the video game with the mask on, I thought that part just a little, just a little bit, drug just a little bit. Um, there were uh, there were a couple of other spots where, uh, and I can't think of them now specifically off the top of my head, but there, I know there were a couple of other spots where I think it was just a little bit, but not bad at all. So I gave it an eight. Um, you know, other than that, I think it, I think it ran through pretty cool. Um, you know, uh, I think the, uh, I think the hospital scene at the beginning maybe ran a little bit too long. Um, you know, I think that could have been done, but then again, I got my own reservations about that whole scene. You know, the, the, the kills look good, but, uh, other than that, I just got this whole thing about that and maybe I can bring it up in another one later, but, uh, otherwise, uh, so I gave it an eight. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was still ran pretty good. So, okay, Jay. Uh, I gave it an eight as well. I felt it was like probably one of the best paced ones out of the four that we've watched so far. Um, it starts off pretty quickly. Like you get to, I, you know what I don't like though? I don't like the recaps at the beginning that every single Friday after the first one has had, I think those are pointless, yep, but that's but besides the point. This had the smallest um, recap ever. Also, the best in my opinion. Agreed. It's fair. It's but I'd still definitely a highlight. No yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't uh, need it, way, but it was just the end of time. Once the movie actually starts, uh, Jason kills what three people in pretty quick su succession. That's the word. I can talk. Um, 
then we get some story and character development, and then he's just right back at it. And it's just, I think it's it's put together really well in the amount of time we get with character development and Jason killing people. All right, Brian. I also gave it an eight. Um, I think it's really well done. I like the beginning part in the hospital. I think that, that is paced perfectly because you get a little bit of a stretch there to build up some suspense and tension because everybody knows Jason's coming back. But you don't know when or how. And then when he finally makes his big ta-da, it's very memorable with a great kill. Um, I do agree, like, around the introduction of the party and kids and some of the stuff with the, the family does go on a little bit long. But that is nothing compared to some of the long stretches of time many slashers, even some of the previous Friday 13th movies had, where just... Nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens, and then at the end, you just get bam, 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 you know, a bunch of kills. So here, the mayhem and the murder is paced out and spaced out uh, better, so you never have a long lull to sit through. That's, and, the, reason why, that's the reason why I said only, only barely, just barely, does it drag to me. Yeah, that's I agree to. I don't think it's perfect. Yeah, it could have been sped up a little bit, but it's nearly there. So that's why I gave it an eight. Well, since you brought up the 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 hospital thing at the beginning, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and go into it. That whole scene, even though the kills are great, the kills are awesome. But other than that, that whole thing it just bothers me because I think about it and I'm like, okay, number one. I can see why Jason kills Axel. Axel's literally right fucking next to him. So when he comes out of the icebox, he's going to kill Axel. I don't I don't understand why he specifically went into the other room just to kill this one chick and then doesn't kill anybody else in the damn hospital. And then the next thing I don't understand is how this big fucker with the damn hockey mask on just strolls right on out of a hospital and well, nobody else sees him. It's the same kind of thing like... In part two, how the hell did he get from Camp Crystal Lake to the town of Crystal Lake, kill his target, and then disappear again? Jason can just do that. Yeah. I mean, but and and, and if you listen to our part two, we, we talk about that and how that's one of the most fucking stupid scenes. The the whole thing, it's just not needed. But well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, it's, it's just it's Jamie just one of those has always things. had an idea for a short film of, you know, Jason taking a bus, you know, showing him getting on a bus. <laughs> With a picture, you know, pointing at you. Have you seen this person? You know, because it makes no sense. But, you know, great. I can forgive that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, I was thinking about it when I was watching it. I was just like, man, I was just like, he specifically goes into this other room to kill this chick and doesn't kill anybody else. You know, and, and then he, and then just strolls right on out and nobody sees it. And I'm like, see, what you don't know is that uh, Jason Voorhees' dad. Uh, it was actually a Bigfoot. Uh, he uh-huh. has the same ability Bigfoots do to get around without being seen fully. Makes sense. Uh, that's how that happened. Maybe. You know, it could be instant transmission, like in the boat in Part 8. Oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> some Super Saiyan shit. As far as why he went and killed her, it's the whole Jason hates sex, and she almost got it on. That was a, He got a whiff of that. It was right next to him. He smelt that. He smelt the juices flowing, and, well, <laughs> most guys get hard when that happens. Jason has to kill somebody. That's how he gets off. 
So he wasn't going to walk out of that place of blue balls. He had to do what he had to do. Yeah. Alternate Typical sexual theory, psychopath. Yes. Alternate theory. He has a he has pride in his work. He touched her. Regardless if he touched her when he Not was kind of coming out of a doze. If he touches you, he has to kill you. Dim the I grabbed rules. your leg, bitch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. I gotta cut you and gotta cut you up to sternum with a knife. Yeah. Dim the rules. Um. So for me, for pacing and editing, because I almost <laughs> forgot where we were, uh, I also gave it an eight. Uh, this movie takes its walk with leisure, but damn, is it enjoyable? Even the parts that I think could be sped up are so are beautiful to look at. They are enjoyable to watch. I, I genuinely enjoy watching these people have fun. Um, now, there is one scene to me that keeps it from being a 10 that should have been cut down. I don't need to see her eat that banana that long. She didn't have, she, one bite was fine, okay? We didn't need the long things. I'm pretty sure Jason wasn't watching her eat the banana and was like, let me wait till she gets to a pleasant stopping point. Uh, that scene could have been fixed. And I probably would have bumped it up to a nine. But again, you see, it's phallic, which relates to sex, and Jason ain't having that. Hey, man, I put that scene in the old spank bang more than once. <laughs> uh, Swallow my banana. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, so I can't even eat a hot dog around Jason? Man, what the fuck? No. This Jason you literally is like donuts. a fucking... You can't Actually, do anything like that. That's how you keep him away. He's a homophobe. <laughs> oh, you okay. know that. I, I did not know that he was... Uh, against gay people, um, I'm gonna have to call Friday the 13th the podcast and inform them that they need to do an investigation in this. That was should. the 80s. It was a different time. <laughs> it was a t- yeah. You could say things in Monster Squad. Uh, okay, <laughs> so now we move on to atmosphere, Kenneth. I gave it a seven. I mean, there are moments that are really atmospheric that I thought were that I thought were really good. Um, surprisingly enough, as much as I dislike. Or well, not really dislike, but uh, have a problem with the hospital scene. It was very, very fucking creepy. Like him just sitting there in the dark with just the light of the TV. That was that was that was good. I enjoyed that. Um, when it's raining and everything outside, there's just something about that particular area around the lake that is more creepy to me than any of the rest of the movies when the storm is going on and stuff like that. I don't know what it is about that area. It may be just because I've been to places like that where, you know, you've got two or three people or two or three sets of cabins where people live out by a lake and stuff like that. So I've been to places like that. So it may have resonated some way, but those parts were creepy. But for the most part, the rest of it, I was just kind of like, eh. So I gave it a seven because there were moments, but overall I was just like, "Uh," you know what I'm saying? I mean, had there been a couple of more spots, it probably would have been a little more creepy to me. So I just kind of threw it right at the at the seven mark. All right, Jay. Uh, I also gave it a seven pretty much for the same reasons. Um, like he said, there's moments that it has that I really like. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not, uh, what's the uh, word I'm looking for? It's not perfect. Um, but yeah, I really have, I've pretty much have nothing to add to what Kenneth said and Echo his thoughts exactly. Okay, appreciate Brian. that, Jay. No, go <laughs> fuck yourself, Kenneth. <laughs> uh, Brian. Okay, I will go one higher with another eight. Um, to me, it's very effective. I love the hospital scene. Um, I really, I enjoy all the wooded scenes, but I really like 
once the rain comes in. Um, I enjoy the two kills at the lake at night. I mean, it's not raining then, but just I, the fact that it just it looks peaceful and you know, but you know it's not. As soon as she starts taking off her clothes to go out to the little rubber boat, you know it's coming. Um, I know I was mm-hmm. coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Without the and rubber. It's, <laughs> uh, it's I a use, little I use a thing, easy but, clean up. Yeah. It's a little thing, but at the very end, during the final chase, when uh, Trish is running from Jason and it's raining, and he is, it's a downward shot, and she's running away, and then you see him just striding out after her. I don't know, something about that I just really love. It just, it's like, you know, here I come, bitch. And, uh, I don't know, it just, it works for me. So, yeah, give it an eight. Nice. Uh, I'm at a seven. Uh, this is one where I, I don't notice the atmosphere as much. I don't notice it in the sense that it takes me like it doesn't take me out of it. So it's good atmosphere. Like it's, I'm not sitting there going, OK, this is taking me completely out of the movie, which is a problem I had with Nightmare 3. Uh, it's just very to me, this movie does this atmosphere a bit more subtle, a bit more basic, but it still completely gets the job done. So I'm going to be with Kenneth and Jay on a classic hand job for that one. Woo. Next, we move on to scenery and set design. Kenneth. I give it a nine. I thought the scenery, I mean, like I said, there's just something about this one. That, you know, like when they're when they're going down the road to the lake and stuff like that. Um, when the car breaks down, you know, and they're standing out there. There's just something about this set of woods that they chose excuse me that they chose for you know the sets of this that were really 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 well chosen um it just i don't i I don't know it's it it seems more of a you know uh when you're just like i'm trying the best way to describe it it's better it, to me. It's better than the summer camp vibe where you got a whole bunch of kids running around or that type of thing or something like that. No, this this seems more homey. You know what I'm saying? This seems more uh, uh, family oriented type of an area where you got these people living out in the woods. And to me, the choices that were made for both houses and the lake location just worked fantastic for that. So I think the set the set design was awesome. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it wasn't quite a perfect 10, but it was damn close. All right, Jay? Uh, I gave it a 7. I thought it was really good, but I didn't think it was, I didn't think it as highly of it as Kenneth did. Um, it, everything looked fine, but it's also the same, like, wooded area that we've been getting for three movies now, minus the fact that it's not at a uh, a camp, quote-unquote, anymore. But I was just, uh, besides the hospital, I really like the hospital, um, and the designs of the houses were great, but I just didn't think it was anything that really stood out. But it wasn't also terrible, so that's why I gave it a 7. Yeah, it's weird that they keep going back to the woods. It's like if they kept going back to Nancy's house in Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Hey, wait till we get to those scores, because it's actually a lot lower. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I have a huge thing about Nancy's house I need to get out during that, so don't let me forget. Okay. Uh, uh, Brian, scenery set design. I will also give it a 7. Uh, everything looks authentic. Everything looks really well done and well set as far as the, you know, they it looks like a 
a house that a family would live in. And the other one looks like a house that some teenagers would party in. And everything seems real, but nothing really stands out for me as far as just, wow, that's that's beautiful. Or that's, you know, a great shot or anything like that. So it's all very well done and it's very realistic, but it just doesn't wow me. Okay. Uh, so for me, I gave it an 8 because everything does look great. Um, everything looks phenomenal. But the thing that makes me give it an 8 is how they shoot the woods. The cinematography of whenever there's a shot of the forest always looks, it always sucks me in. It always looks so good. I want to go hang out there. I want to be there. Me and Gordon hanging out, having a picnic, you know, so what I want with my life. I'm not going to have that because Gordon possibly died. No, he didn't. Eh, well, I said possibly. No, he's alive. There's there's, there's room. There's room to breathe. Except for him, because he died. No, he didn't. <laughs> Alright, we move wait, wait, on. Hang what? on. Okay. Alright, and if none of y'all have experienced this, then I, I understand. But there's another scene, and it's the scene right before we assume that the Jarvis mom gets it. And, when, and it's when she walks outside and goes around the house, you know what I'm saying? And it's raining. And then she looks up and she gets that bright look in her eyes and, you know, we don't see her die on camera. Okay. Have y'all ever, like, when you go out to a neighborhood or you go to something like that or you go to somebody's house or, or for whatever reason and you're looking at the front of the house, the front of the house is always all picturesque and things like that. And you got your bushes and you got all the rest of that stuff. But then if you're outside walking around and you go around the side of the house. It automatically, that picturesqueness goes away and it looks strange for a couple of minutes until you get used to the fact that you're around the side of the house. Is yeah, that, everybody that, wants to put their best face forward, so everybody really focuses on the front of the house because that's what everyone sees. Right. People don't care about the sides or the back even. Well, I don't, I don't mean like looking bad. I just mean like yeah. not looking alive. Yeah, I get you. Okay. That's what I got from that scene, and that's the reason why I, I, I really enjoyed the scenery, because generally when you're watching these movies, any of them, you don't see that. You always get the picturesque look of the front or the back or whatever, but you never get around the sides and things like that. And so it to me, th that one scene gave a level of realism to the way it looked to where it changed even then the way the set design looked for me. If that makes sense. Damn, that's that's some deep shit on a house, Kenneth. I, I don't know why it does it. Every time I watch it, it does that to me. And none of the other ones do it. It's just hmm. that. And just that scene. But it always makes me think about what it was like when I was a kid. And hanging out at my grandmother's house or something like that. And then I walk around to the side of the house. And the difference between how the front of the house looks and the side of the house looks. And it becomes almost like a, a completely different planet. Yeah, like you're going through this tunnel where everything's just changed, and you're like, I don't know what happened. Right. I, I, yeah, what, I know what you're talking about. And that's what that scene did for me. Well, damn. Uh, okay, well, Kenneth, we move on to acting, so uh, what deep shit you got for that? I gave it a nine also. I thought everybody did a great job. I was not... There, there was very, very few places in this movie where I felt like, oh my god, that is just shitty. 
they were very, they, if any at all. I think the, probably the person with the weakest acting, the two people with the weakest acting, was probably Trish and only in a couple of spots, and Rob. Everybody else I thought did great because the dude did the what? What's the guy's name? Uh, the dude with the computer, quote unquote. Oh, uh, Teddy. Teddy. All right. When Teddy Bear gets killed, I know for a fact that when he gets killed after watching everything that I've done, he was really stoned when he did that scene. Yeah, and <laughs> he regretted it. Yeah, he regretted it, but I, I don't I don't see why he regretted it because I think he did a really good job. And and so in that scene, I think it was done well. I think the acting for the guy that got killed in the shower, he, I, I mean, I think he did great. You know what I'm saying? Especially in that spot. And, and and so overall, I thought the acting was actually pretty goddamn good for a slasher movie. I'm I'm with you there, Jay. Are you with him? Uh, I gave it an eight. Uh, pretty much same thing. I didn't see a problem with really anybody. Um, I thought young Corey Feldman did fantastic as Tommy. I think everybody hit their marks. I didn't really have uh, any moments of. Ugh. Uh, while watching the movie or listening to anybody deliver their lines. Um, the only thing that was a, a little weird for me was when they had Jason grunt at the end when he was fighting. It's like, that's new and odd, but okay. Besides that, I uh, I thought everyone did a solid job. Uh, well, you should see the deleted scene where Jason shows you his O-face. <laughs> <laughs> Got a tongue like, hanging oh, out. Oh, this machine uh, in my head. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. All right, uh, Brian, acting. Uh, I give it an eight. I I like what everybody else has said. I just I like everyone in here, and I think they all do a good, believable job. I really like Corey as Tommy. Especially, it's a little thing, but I love the scene where he's peeping in on his neighbor across the way, yeah. and he's freaking out and bouncing on the bed, and because you know that's his first naked woman, probably. So he's like, "Oh my god, this is great." Titties. And, yeah. And, you know, confession, uh, as a kid, I was just like that. I had a neighbor lady uh, across the way who liked to change not shut her windows. So, yeah, when that would happen, I'd be like, oh, my God. It was like Christmas and a birthday and everything else all rolled up in one. Damn, I wish and I then, out in your neighborhood. What's that? I said, I wish I grew up in your neighborhood. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um and then when his mom comes in, he is instantly out. Like, bam! <laughs> and she even knows. I mean, she looks at him and gives him that smirk. And so I, it's little things like that that just, you know, make this movie stand out for me. Okay, I agree with you. Uh, I We know it's a scientific fact that if Kenneth and I rate something the same, it's 100% true. You can ask Neil deGrasse Tyson. He'll tell you. It's true. Uh, it's part of the cosmic <laughs> uh, universe. Yeah. And I, I gave it a nine also. It's, it's some of the best acting in the franchise. Um, and I, to me, I don't have any times where I think it's super bad acting ever. Like this movie is just so well acted that, and I've said this before, where if a, if, if a movie, if you have someone who's so good in the movie, they blow you away and you're just like, holy shit, that acting is phenomenal. Sometimes I don't like that because it takes me out of the movie because I'm sitting there going, holy shit, this dude can, like, he is just killing it. And I, and it takes me, and then I have to, I realize I'm watching a movie and then I've got to get back into it. 
And this movie walks that line perfectly where no one blows me away. So much so that I'm like, God damn, that acting is phenomenal. And no one's even close to being bad for me to have it the opposite way. And so because of that, I don't have a single actor I could point out as being just absolutely the best. So I can't give it a 10. But for for acting, everyone else, everyone else did solid. Uh, Jason did great. Uh, Mr. Ted White fantastic uh, i gave it a nine easy and uh now we go into two of the ones that i'm actually most interested to see how everyone feels uh special effects kenneth gave it a nine okay i thought special effects were great uh one of my favorite kills um for the special effects is when he twisted axel's head around yeah oh, i love that that was awesome uh um, i forgot i had actually forgotten about that and so as I'm like sitting in bed waiting, you know, having the movie start waiting for Jason to do his thing. And that's like the first kill we get. I was like, holy shit, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that was it fucking was, brutal. That uh, was nice a, to see. Yeah, that one looked really good. But the special effects at the end of it, man, where they were the machete in his head and him sliding down on it and everything. I mean, dude, that was great. I mean, especially for when it came out, man. And, and, and seeing that kind of thing, I mean, it was just like, wow. You know, I mean, that was awesome. Um, a lot of the, you know, uh, the, some of the the way the other kills were done was great. Uh, dude's head getting crushed in the bathtub. That was fucking awesome. I, I, oh, every time I think about that, I'm just like, oh, God, that sucks. So, yeah, man, I mean. I would have liked it if an eye would have popped out at me, but whatever. Oh, fuck that, man. <laughs> God damn it. We don't need no more eyes popping out. But, yeah, I mean, that 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 was really, that was really, really good. And, uh, you know, the special effects for the, uh, for the, th- for the special effects, the things that were in Tommy's room, those look great. You know what I'm saying? It was really, really cool, especially now knowing, but I kind of had an idea back then, but now knowing that that was stuff out of, you know, Tom Savini's personal collection of shit, I thought that was really, really cool. So, you know, overall I gave the special effects a nine. I thought they were awesome. All right. Jay. Uh, special effects. I gave an eight. Um, I already talked about the head twist with with Kenneth there. That was fucking f- fantastic. Um, I really liked pretty much all the effects in the movie. Um, it wasn't perfect, and it wasn't like mind blowing, but there was absolutely nothing wrong with them. So that's kind of why I gave it an eight. All right, Brian. Oh, I'm okay, sorry, I am in. What was that? Nothing. I didn't say anything, Brian. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I am amending my score. You can't. Originally, you're well, not allowed too late to. I am. You can't. Um, it, it affects your bottom thing. You have to keep it where it is. Well, I already changed my bottom one, too, so suck well, it. doesn't matter. I have your scores, so you can't. Well, I am. You can't. Life's no, hurt. We don't, we don't allow anyone to do it. That was you a rule can't. that we made, man. You got to stick, you you gotta stick with your original scores. And... Even if you got that, you kind of understood what the category was wrong. We had that happen with Alex. You have to stick with it because it's okay. a learning opportunity. But then you can you can do like I said earlier, where you're just like, I wish I could amend it, or if I want it, yes. or or I would change it if I could to okay. this. And you can state your position, but the original score has to stay. The yeah, same. our audience well, then, won't kill you. Um, well, then uh, in this case, my original score was a five, just because I wasn't equating the special effects with the kills. Since you have a kills category, I rated them in and of themselves. So I was trying to think what special effects are in here. And I thought of Tommy and his masks, and I like that. Um, 
but yeah, I was thinking more along that line as opposed Underst- to understandable. I guess uh, the kill. We look at the kills as in movie, like if it were real, or is the way he's killing him inventive? Is it new? That kind of stuff. But the special effects, like how it was actually done, does it look real? Is separate. Okay. Though well, I am actually working on a, a redo of all the categories that will, but might come out after all the horror costumes, Freddy vs. Jason goes, and those two uh, are one of the ones I've selected to probably go together. Okay. Um, well, in that case, like I said, I gave it a five because I thought it was average for what I was thinking of. It never, it didn't wow me, but it didn't disappoint me either. In retrospect, it would have been much higher. Okay. Well. The good day. We'll, we'll know that when he talks about the kills and gore, he'll definitely uh, explain what special effects should have been for him. Yeah, there we go. What, what is your raised up special effects score? It would have been a nine. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So for special effects for me, I gave it an eight. It's all solid. Uh, they kind of open up with a great one and then end it with a great one. Uh, Axel's death is absolutely fabulous i actually like the front look of the bone saw better than the twist of the head but they're both great and then they end it with the machete slide um and then the rest of the special effects in the movies are all just kind of basic they really save the two uh hardest jobs for those two kills and the rest are all kind of like standard friday the 13th special effects uh throat slits stabs stuff like uh face uh machetes to face even though apparently that's not a machete he hit him with because they're saying Jason didn't use a machete in this movie. So I want to know cleaver. The, it was a cleaver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chris no, Glover took it's a cleaver the machete the that the, the guy hunting Jason had. Yes. Yeah. But Jason himself never kills anyone in the movie with a machete. Correct. Right. He dies by machete. Yep. Right. But yes. I, but I, I just never had a clue. Uh, what besides a machete can you use to kill Chris or, uh, kill Glover? I mean, you can't kill him fucking physically impossible it's science and some but it turns out weakness meat cleaver i really <laughs> enjoyed the corky screw and corkscrew yes corkscrew, corky screw just screw. slowed him down i he really been enjoyed out of that the, i really enjoyed the corkscrew he would have danced out of that corkscrew <laughs> um so yeah so and i find this a lot with tom savini tom savini one of the reasons he is a master of special effects is because all the stuff that's standard, he can just knock out of the park. He can make it look amazing. He doesn't have to blow you away with everything he does. He can just make it, bam, perfect, done, bam, perfect, done. And then a couple times in the movie, he'll do something crazy. And in this movie, you've got Axel's kill and Jason's kill, which both are just absolutely fantastic. Okay, so we move on to kills slash gore. Kenneth. I gave the kills an eight. You know what I'm saying? Because some of them were really inventive, but at the same time, some of them were not that really inventive. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the the girl with the uh, with the towel. You know what I'm saying? Where she just took an axe to the front. I was just like, eh. yeah. You know, I really wasn't blown away by that. But the marksmanship of Jason, though, right? <laughs> I, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that one, that one, I just really wasn't blown away by. You know, um, the the chick in the uh, the chick in the boat, even yeah. though it looked good, it did look good. So for special effects, it looked great. But it was basically just a rehash of the uh, the arrow through the throat from the first one. You know, it's yeah. pretty much the same thing. And uh, just coming through the back instead of through the front. 
you know, so I mean, kills wise, but it did get an eight because I really, I really enjoyed the 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 dude getting his head crushed in the shower. That one was just awesome to me. I was, I, I mean, just thinking about that. Like I said when I was talking about the special effects, that's just fucking, ugh. That's my favorite kill in the movie. Is it? Yep. Yeah, Always man. I mean, yeah, because that's just fucked up. You know, especially like right before it, where he's basically crushing the dude's face with his thumb on his nose and shit, mm-hmm. and then pushes it back. I was just like, oh my god, that's just fucked up. But you know, but then again, uh, on the same token, like the, like the kill where he, where fucking Jason's just hacking at fucking Rob with the damn. Uh, the little three prong, uh, fucking gardening fork or whatever it was, you know, I was just kind of like, and I could have swore y'all can correct me if in this, but I could have swore that Rob screamed out. He's killing me. He, he did. did. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh my, really? So the direct, I, I read an explanation for this. The director said one time he saw something where a guy was getting uh, something was happening to him. I can't remember what it is. So we'll say Gordon bit him. And he was like, the dog's biting me. The dog's biting me. And it made it creepy, the guy telling you what's happening to him. Um, and so the he way... thought... Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so he thought that that would work the same in the movie. It would be creepy. It would be, you know, him screaming out, you know, his last thing. But unfortunately, it, it was more Troll 2-like in, you know, stating, they're eating him. Then they're going to eat me. It came off more like that. Yeah, I just didn't like it. And so th- that's A lot the of reason... people have that problem. Sorry, go ahead. That's the reason why I kind of brought it back a little bit from like a nine or a ten, is because even though I like the kills, there was a couple of them where I was like, eh. mm-hmm. so. Brian. Okay, a lot of people have that problem with that scene. I, however, love that scene, and here's why. I heard that story. Um, now the way I heard it, like in like a campfire story, I guess, was this was a nine one one call, and this is what the dispatcher heard as some woman was getting stabbed to shit by her boyfriend or her husband or whatever. She was like, he's stabbing me, he's stabbing me. And a lot of people laugh at that. Like, why would you just go, oh, he's killing me, he's killing me. But if you have somebody like Jason stabbing the shit out of you with a little tiny garden rake, I mean, the tines on that are only like about an inch long. So you know Jason had to go to town on him to kill him. That was not an easy death. That was not a quick death. And people, when they're getting murdered, say stupid shit. And I've always liked that. He's he's stabbing, or he's killing me, I guess. He's killing me, he's killing me. Because that's the kind of nonsense that would go through your head. In another movie, he would have been Joe Badass, like, come on, that ain't nothing, grr. Or he would have been the heroic, run, run. And I think you could still take it as a warning to trish well yeah like, hey he's killing me in case you can't tell either you know help me or run whatever you so, want to choose for, for me i just i like it because it's pure panic it is one of the most authentic kills in the entire series because this guy he's a big tough guy he has a gun he hikes in the woods he's hunting jason yes you when Kenneth. jason gets a hold of him he becomes a scared just oh my god he's killing me out of everybody who dies in a movie, that would have to be like the worst death. Because you Dude, just that, hear, that death is disrespectful. How are you going to kill? You're Jason, and you're going to kill me with a gardening claw, homie. Come I on, love man. that. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brutal and awesome. So. It's brutal, yes. but the disrespect, like you're not. Oh. You get a garden claw. 
That's it's what you get. It's so original. Bitch. And just the fact that sister. he would have to just go to town on him for it to work. Just, I mean, whack, 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 whack. And all the time, you're pushed up against a wall, and this guy is just ripping you apart, inch by inch. I think that's awesome. Fair enough. Uh-huh. I think that's a good explanation. Uh, yeah. Jay, kills and gore. Uh, I gave the kills and gore an 8 out of 10. Um, basically, everything we've talked about for the last 10 minutes is the reason why. Um, I loved, I, I thought they were they were varied enough and innovative enough in this one. And it also feels kind of like the solidification of the Jason that we get for the rest of the series. So like Pamela Voorhees killed most of her people with that little, with that knife. Then in part two, we got some variation, but a lot of it was pretty standard. Part three, they kicked it up a notch and we got more, even more variation. But now we've got Jason just using whatever the fuck is around his own bare hands. When he twists that dude's head around the corkscrew, uh, the garden shovel rake thing, uh, just, this is the Jason that we get for the rest of the series that just takes whatever is around and turns it into a weapon of death. That's very true. Brian. Here we go. I give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, um, these kills are amazing. They are the most memorable to me out of the entire series. It starts off with the great throat slit and then if that wasn't enough the whole head twist behind you then you get the relatively simple kill of the nurse except she is pinned to the wall lifted up by one arm stabbed in the chest and the knife is drug all the way down yeah that wasn't no michael myers just get stuck to the wall bullshit no and just i love the sound design and that it's like rip and uh not very bloody but you don't need blood so i mean in pure gore factor, some of the kills could have been more bloody, but I don't think they need that because they are just so aggressive and just brutal. Not tripping into the old, you know, cliche of torture porn or, you know, whatever. Jason, he ain't out to pull your fingernails out or stuff, you know, bamboo in your nutsack or anything like that. But he will kill you. And he doesn't care if it's a quick kill or a leisurely kill. He just, he is brutal and just, he's going to rip you apart. And that is never more apparent than this film. I love the head crush, like I said. I like the chick who gets the axe through the door. Because Jason throws an axe with enough force to go through the door and he hits his target. That's awesome. It is. <laughs> I fucking love that kill. Yeah, because, I mean, it's so out of nowhere, just whack! And then she falls back and there's an axe out of her chest. I mean, that is some serious lumberjack shit right there. Um, Like I said, I love the whole he's killing me, he's killing me. Um, Just with the fact that he's killing him with a little tiny garden (laughs) rake. Um, God, the, the guy who goes swimming out. Okay, the chick in the rubber boat, yeah, that's okay. But the boyfriend who goes out after her, once he goes swinging back, he gets stabbed in the nuts with a spear gun. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Then Jason lifts him up in the air, and only then does he pull the trigger. That is 
gnarly. So not only is he stabbed in the nuts, picked up, then the trigger's pulled, thereby shooting the spear deeper into his body. That is a hell of a way to go. And just all along, this is like the greatest hits for me. There's only one kill, well, maybe two, in all the Jason movies that I think are, are as good, if not somewhat better. And that's, of course, yes, a sleeping bag or the whole Freddy vs. Jason guy gets folded up in the bed. Those two are awesome. But here, and Crispin Glover with the whole corkscrew and then here, have a meat cleaver. His buddy who gets a butcher knife in the back of the head. You just don't ever see that. And then he goes sliding down the uh, projection screen, leaving a trail of blood. And yeah, what I thought... Me, that is one of the most effective kills in the movie for me to just be so minimal, but be it's like, it's really impactful. Well, I love how the actor sells it. Once he gets thunked in the head, he's all, Oh, Oh, oh as he goes sliding down. What I and thought then, was really cool about that. I'm sorry to interrupt is you can see the screen getting cut because the yeah. knife is in the back of the head. I thought that, that one was great. Awesome. And then of course the piece de resistance is Jason's kill. The whole machete in the head, sliding down it. Best way to kill a slasher villain ever. It's never been touched. Nobody's ever come close. And I don't think they can. The fact that they were able to pull that off in 1984 still blows me the hell away. Agreed. Um, I don't have that much to add. Um, I gave it an 8. Um... Friday the 13th gets inventive with its kills a little bit later on in the series. Here, uh, a lot of them do really go back to the kind of same old, same old, because that's because it's more realistic to, to the living Jason as he grabs whatever is around and uses it. But I want to point out a kill that no one's talked about, that I absolutely adore, and I think gets thrown away because it is off screen. Now, it is off screen. Uh, one of uh, the Double Mint Twins... She gets killed off screen. Um, but the thing I like about that kill is you see it because lightning flashes and you see her get stabbed. And it's so small. It's so subtle. But if you know me, you know I love Universal Classics and I have an affinity for shadow shots. Where they can't show you what they're doing so they're going to show you the shadows of it on the wall. I love that. I, I absolutely adore that. It's one of my favorite off screen kills in a movie ever. And for me, that, that's one that I, I don't feel gets that much talked about. Hell, uh, the other sister, the slutty one, she doesn't even, her kill doesn't even get talked about that much because she just gets Gordon through a window, except we see her fall on a fucking car. And that, that's a fucking impressive shot. Her bouncing <laughs> off that car. Holy shit. That is a great one. Um, but there's not too many kills that just make me go... Like, hold, like jump up, cover my mouth, and go, holy shit. Um, but it's fine. I, they're, they're all eight. I think anywhere anyone rating this between an eight to a ten is absolutely right. Anyone rating this under an eight, well, we're going to kind of probably put you in a fucking sleeping bag and hit you to a tree a few times because <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, and we don't allow wrong. So now we move on to. The I just monster. want to, uh, before we yeah. move on, I just want to piggyback off of you talking about the the kill where she gets thrown out the window and onto the car. Uh, this movie has actually some phenomenal physical stunt work. 
Um, yeah. That that kill right there, and then I think it's a sister who falls out. She jumps out of the window, yes. rolls onto the deck, and then lands on the ground in slow motion. So you can actually see the stunt person going through the broken the 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 sugar glass or whatever the fuck it's called, physically landing and rolling through the breakaway wood. And then if you look close enough, you can actually see the pad that's under all the dirt there. But that was it. She actually did that. And that was phenomenal. It was done really well to have that much control to fall that way. I, I was just very impressed with that. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, Kenneth. We are... Where Monster are we? Killer. We Monster Killer. That's right. I got thrown off. I'm not good at this. Kenneth. I gave it a nine. Nine, I okay. think this, I think this was a great a great Jason, you know, um, the the way he moved, the way the way he was portrayed, I liked it. Um, I didn't mind the running at all, um, you know, because a lot of people say they don't like running Jason. Well, I I, I actually like this one. Um, I hate that. I hate that bullshit. Really? Yeah. The whole wait. You hate running Jason. You hate no people no no. That hate running Jason. I hate people who say okay. Jason don't run. Yes, he does. He, right. he, he, he so, runs when he's living. Well, yeah. And so I like I like the Jason. Um, him coming through the door all fucking pissed off and shit, that was awesome. Um, you know, I, I think overall, I thought the special effects to make him uh, underneath the mask look really good. Um, uh, I mean, overall, I think it was a really, really good Jason. I mean, you know, anybody that disagrees, I'm just kind of like, well, whatever. Because I mean, this was this was a very well done Jason, and uh, was it Ted White? Yes. yes. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he did a really really good job, and I also like the fact that in all the documentaries and stuff like that, he specifically kept himself away from everybody, so that way he could be even more menacing, which I thought was cool. And so overall, I think I, th- I think it was a really good Jason. I agree, Jay. Uh, nine out of ten. Would have been a ten, but that I just I just don't like the grunting. I have no problem with him running. That actually makes sense from a logistics standpoint. But he's been silent this entire time, and then they have him like grunt at the end. I just uh, I don't like that. It threw me off a little bit. Besides that, he's great. His presence is great. The way he moves is great. Uh, he looks like really menacing, and uh, like he'd fuck your shit up if if you got near him. So, other than the, the grunting, which was probably a directorial choice and not so much an actor choice, uh, I really enjoyed uh, the actor who portrayed Jason. I thought this Jason was fantastic. And like I said in the kills, this this performance kind of solidifies the Jason we get for the next the next movies. All right, Ryan. Another ten out of ten. This is by far and hands down my favorite performance my favorite depiction of jason um all the ones previous all the zombie jasons that would follow nothing compares to ted white in this role he is huge he is hulking and he's menacing and you really get a sense of just rage um the last jason for part three you almost get like he was very like well this is my job Especially there's a scene where after he shoots the girl with the spear gun and he throws it away and he nonchalantly walks. I don't like that. Some people do because, oh, look how cold and uncaring he is. I like this Jason where he is just angry. Everything he does is with maximum violence, maximum 
anger. And I like the grunting and the growling. And just it makes him more real. I love the running. I love the fact that he climbs up and chucks the girl out of the second story window. I love his just his stealth capabilities. He can get you anytime, anywhere. He is a lethal predator. There is no Jason more scary, more terrifying, and more deadly. That includes all the zombie Jasons who are just unkillable. But this Jason is just, he's out to get you, and he is going to get you. That's why the end where he is ultimately defeated by a little kid is so great, because it's the whole David and Goliath thing. You know, this guy is just, he's death incarnate. And yet this kid can trick him and ends up being his destruction. But for all the kills and all the just, the fury, I really get the feeling that this Jason, he will kill you. He wants to kill you. He's, there's no stopping him. And he is just, he's unbound. So yeah. Best Jason ever. Uh, And I actually agree with you. I try not to give tins uh, as much as possible unless I'm full heartedly like I'm not. There's no budging on this. Like I don't like I've tried the arguments. I can't find one against it. That works. Are you one of those people who are like, oh, nothing ever is perfect. Nothing ever gets a 10. uh, No, I'm one of those people that like if your argument is good enough. Then I'll detract the point. If like we proved that with a Nightmare on Elm Street on this show, we're very much. If you can argue your point well enough, then I will concede and I will give it to you. If I feel like you've argued it well enough to make me a believer, uh, I believe uh, there is no thing as being absolutely wrong or right when it comes to the matter of opinion. Uh, there is always room to sway, always. And if you don't yes, think something- there is then you're you're basically a fanboy and I'm not going to talk to you. Some people out there are like, oh, well, you know, I'm a serious critic and, you know, nothing can be perfect. But that's bullshit. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about the zenith. There has to be one on top. And for me, this is it. It is the the best Friday 13th. It is the best Jason. It is the best slasher. So why would it not be a 10 out of 10? And I think the reason, like, those people that are like, oh, I'm a professional critic, we give nothing 10 out of 10, is because they don't want any... One, they don't want anything to touch Citizen Kane. Yeah. That's number one, first and foremost. Nothing can touch Citizen Kane. That movie's period. boring. Uh, <laughs> all right, look here, Rosebud. Um, <laughs> but I think those people also try way too hard to be unbiased and unopinionated and they tend to actually be the most biased and most opinionated agreed 100 um, and that's what i try like yes i will sit here and say this jason the ted white jason is a 10 out of 10 for me it is the perfect jason uh, i think it's the the best representation of jason of the living jason because i do separate jason into two different categories living and unliving and for but overall, this is still my favorite Jason. He is great in everything he does. He comes with that anger. I have it in my notes of how menacing he is. I like the grunt. I think he should have been at least grunting from fucking part two because he. I don't think he just doesn't have 
vocal cords. He's not fucking Rob Lowe in, or no, because Rob Lowe screams in the stand. Never mind, that doesn't make any sense. But he has fucking vocal cords. He can still use them. He just doesn't know how to talk. He doesn't know how to fucking speak. He never learned English. He can still grunt, and he should have been grunting through these movies. Dude, Sackhead Jason grunting would be fucking terrifying. But they didn't, and that's why I have the issues, because it was never done before, so yeah, why is he also... all of a sudden doing it now? Okay, if we're a Nightmare on Elm Street fanboy, is really going to come at me with that? Uh, I don't see what my opinion of one movie has to do with the other. <laughs> I mean, just in general, Nightmare on Elm Street like constantly does shit that they could not do or would not do in previous movies, and just constantly does it. But I agree so with it, that. I've so admitted just, that on this very show. So because they've done it early on in Nightmare, it's easier to accept. As for Friday, no. it's not because they have it's It's hard to accept that because they waited till the fourth movie to do that. I, I, I will say I understand that. Okay. That I will. Okay. I, I understand that. I also just wanted to talk shit on Nightmare. Actually, if I remember correctly, Jason does grunt and groan somewhat in part three once he gets the axe in the head, doesn't he? You know... I would have a better opinion of that, but I just fucking hate that movie. So <laughs> I, I really don't like that. That is like one of my least like besides nine, like because nine is to me a, a fucking travesty to the, this entire world. So fucking, that the, fucking Jason bad. goes to hell. Jason oh, goes to so hell. Bad. I want to believe in Christianity just so I can be like, you literally made Jesus wept <laughs> when you made this fucking movie. Um, but so, but back on topic, uh, d- d- I, I just pretty much say everything Brian said, except a little bit sexier, maybe. Um, <laughs> Makes that, sense. J- Jason is just fucking great in this goddamn movie. I, 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 I do not have a negative thing I can say about Jason in this movie. I don't. Uh, Ted White did a fantastic job, and this is when I think of Friday the 13th. Not only is this the movie I think of, but this is specifically... The Jason, I think of. Amen. Preacher, brother. Yeah. Um, now we move on to Hero, which I think will be very... Hero is always an interesting category on this show. <laughs> I'm ready for this one. Uh, so we'll see how this one goes. Kenneth. I gave the Hero a 10. Oh. Wow. Oh. Yeah, okay. because Sex. I thought Tommy Jarvis was a great character. That's who I think the hero is, obviously, at the end of it. I mean, he's the one that really takes out Jason. And, uh, you know, throughout the whole movie, I mean, he shows, you know, the he's the one that comes up with the idea of looking like Jason to, to get his attention. I mean, he's the one that, you know, throughout the entirety of the movie, he's brave and, and, and you know, him and his sister definitely share a lot of a lot of traits, but overall, I mean, to see this kid, you know, and how old is he? Do we ever find out exactly how 10? old he is? Ten or eleven, something like that. To be a ten or eleven year old going up against this, just uh, you know, huge in comparison, menacing thing to save himself and to save his sister. I mean, it was just amazing. You know, and I think uh, Corey Feldman did a great job playing the character. He definitely went through a lot of hell looking the way he did at the end of it. I mean, we all know the stories of that. So overall, I mean, I think, I mean, it was a 10 out of 10. It was fucking fantastic. It's probably, to me, Tommy Jarvis is is the best hero in the entire series. And, okay. and, and it shows because he's a reoccurring character. That is true. 
Uh, Jay? Uh, gee, I gave it a 10 out of 10 as well, and I did mark Tommy as the hero. So we kind of get, like, three different heroes in this. We get the dude who's trying to hunt Jason, who's, like, the this, the typical dude, bro, dude. Yeah, not, not um, Rob Lowe, Rob. Yeah. We get his sister, who also, like, is trying to save her little brother in spite of this giant uh, hulking madman chasing them after. But Tommy is on a whole nother level to use his his skills and be brave enough to confront this dude and then actually kill him. Like, he's dead. This is the, this is the first time in four movies that Jason has actually been truthfully defeated. Uh, he gets buried and had this movie not made the amount of money it did, it probably would have been the last time we ever saw Jason again. Um, but I was just, I've always been impressed with with how how Tommy handles the situation. Um, and then we get two more movies where he is also a, a hero-like character. And I just, I love it. I love Tommy. I love that this is the first in his little trilogy. And him actually just fight and then he then he does the thing that nobody ever does in horror movies is he goes back he's like wait he's not dead yet and then just Double takes tap. the machete to him head several times to make sure that, that is he's dead. great and i i love it so i gave the hero in my mind tommy 10 out of 10 nice all right brian hero Another one in retrospect i probably should have went a little bit higher on but after giving the last two uh, 10 out of 10s. I figured if I did it three times in a row, you'd just be calling bullshit on me. So uh, I gave it an 8 because I combined both Tommy and his sister as the hero. Because I think they both do a good job at, you know, each defeating Jason, or at the very least in regards to his sister, luring Jason away, confronting him. And like I said, I like the whole thing where she is willing to sacrifice herself in order to save Tommy, but Tommy ain't having none of it. He's like, nope, I got this. Don't worry, sis. And he's out there shaving his head and looking like Billy Corrigan. So, uh... <laughs> but yeah, I probably should have been higher. Um, but I'm happy with the Nate. They're, the combination of Tommy and Trish, and let's face it, Tommy is the real hero, but whatever. They both do their fair share of defeating jason i love the tv set through the head thing that is just awesome um anyways eight all right introducing the slasher hero tag team champions of the world we've got tommy and trish aka tnt coming (laughs) at you tonight all right you are looking at the people's champions. These are the people you are rooting for. A brother and sister combo that is unmatched. Other siblings, they die together. You can be a double-mint twin all you want. You're both fucking disappearing. But when you've got a, a boy who is great at Zaxxon and making mask and probably jerks off to fucking uh, nude chicks from across the street while using the other hand to puppet a Ray Harryhausen puppet. You can't beat that. And Trish, not only is supportive of her mother, they go exercising. She's asking about her mom's relationship. She even suggests, hey, mom, you need to get laid. That, that is a true uh, 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 precious child who is there for her family. You combine them two 
and they can take on anyone. They literally took on the best Jason in the world, and they won. They fucking won. And the only reason that I didn't give this a 10, because I gave it a 9, is because they did have to team up to do it. This was a tag team effort, you know, in a triple threat match. The only time the the lone person wins is when that's how they write the script. Uh, Because the lone person is the hero, and the other two are bad guys. This is a flip-flop. It's the two good guys versus the one bad guy. So because they share it, I gave it I gave it a nine instead of a ten, and I stand by that. And with that being said, we move on to score and soundtrack. Kenneth, um, I gave the score a nine. Um, the reason why I gave it a nine is because it has the classic elements, but if you listen closely, there are moments where there have been changes made to the score and it's it's hard to describe but there is like you can hear little little small keyboard elements in 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 certain spots like at the beginning and uh for those little bit of changes to me that just gave it a little bit more of a creep factor along added to the classic friday the 13th feel that's the reason why i gave this one a nine Okay, so kind of like under pressure into Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe I got you to agree to that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jay, score slash soundtrack. All right, as you guys know from the last three episodes, I have a hard time keeping track of the actual score. Um, so I gave it a seven. wasn't uh, wasn't terrible, but nothing really stuck out to me. Of course, this is all my personal inability to process that kind of information through my brain. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing too terrible. The music fit fit the scenes that were happening, and I thought it was decent. So, 7 out of 10. You know, I do have to say, I'm glad that you're like me, Jay, and you have a hard time with score and soundtrack, because I'm the same way. Like, soundtrack is a little bit easier to do when they're using actual songs, but the actual score of the movie, I have a hard time with, because I a lot of times just don't notice it. right. And so I'm glad that there is someone out there like me. Yeah. And uh, sometimes using actual music for your soundtrack is a detriment, as we'll find out when we get to scoring Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Brian, score slash soundtrack. I also give it a seven. It is good. It is effective. But it is just a um, an iteration on what's been done before. Harry Manfredini. Uh, and maybe this is some of my other... like. Every soundtrack he does sounds the same. Um, we just watched The Children the other day, and he he does that. And it sounds like a Friday the 13th movie. So it, it just, it's one of those things where he is, he found something he likes, and he just ran with it. And yeah, he does make little changes and little differences. I have the... Uh, Entire Harry Manfredini Friday Thirteenth box set. It's awesome, and there is little variations between each movie, but they're only minor changes. Um, so you add that up with all the times I've seen all the various movies, and it almost starts fading into the background for me. Maybe if I listen to it with uh, fresh ears and didn't know all the movies as much as in, and as well as I do would be different but I got to go with uh, how I rated it and that is a good solid respectable 
but not amazing, seven. Yeah, we call that a hand job around here. Yeah. Um, and I also gave it a hand job. I gave it a seven uh, because for what Brian said and what Jay said. One, I have a hard time uh, hearing soundtracks for whatever reason. I always, I can never remember them. Uh, and so it's, it probably has to do with the fact that I don't listen to music that doesn't have vocals. I don't, I don't listen to instrumentals or stuff like that. Um, but it also, it, Harry does a lot of stuff that's exactly the same. And you would think I'd be used to that because with the Godzilla movies, Kira Fukube, he does that a lot. But what he does is he likes to take two different songs from the franchises and mash them together. And so, you know, he's like two monsters are fighting and he'll mix the Godzilla theme with the Ghidorah theme into one song. So, like, even though Akira Fukube does literally the same thing Harry Maffredini does, uh, Fukube does it with with a bit more sauce, a bit more creativity behind it. And I think that's what, what separates why I can understand in the Godzilla franchise. But in the Friday franchise, I'm like, okay, it's the same song. And I think it hurts this movie more just in the fact that in the part three... We got this super groovtastic song, and then in part four, which part four does not call for a groovtastic song, um, we we get just this more standard Friday ominous thing. But there's no song that really sets it. No one when they talk about Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, not many people are going to talk about the soundtrack. If they're going to talk about soundtrack for one of the movies, they're probably going to talk about part three. To be honest, now we move into one of the most personal categories scare factor kenneth i gave it an eight and the biggest thing that made the movie scary for me was things that i brought up before is the kills you know like um and 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 now that i have been schooled on the kill in the basement by brian um (laughs) uh, you know that even added into it now that i really think about it you know and so like that to me is what made it scary. You know, like getting my, my fucking head crushed in the shower or, you know, damn, um, the, the, the cleaver to the face, even though it was pretty standard, it's still to me, is just kind of like, you know, he's, he's, you see him trying to fucking run and he can't because his hand is fucking damn stuck to the damn, uh, uh, uh to the counter with the, uh, with the corky screw. And corky so, screw? yeah, the corky screw. I'm, I'm calling that from now on. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, they're the, the kills themselves are getting your head twisted around or shit like that, you know? I mean, this is what you got two things going on right there. Number one, you did not realize that this person was still alive, you know? So you're just like, holy fuck, there's somebody there. And then number two, you're about to die. So you got the whole, you got a double whammy right there of just absolute fear. So I think the kills themselves, not really the ambiance of the movie, but the kills is what I find scary. So I gave it an eight. All right, Jay. Uh, I give kill no, not kills. <laughs> scare factor. I give scare factor a seven out of ten. I just, you know, the same thing I say for the last three episodes. It's it's hard for me to judge scariness. Uh, there is some really good atmosphere in this, so that's why the score is is where it's at. Um, there are some parts that were genuinely creepy. Um, I don't know why the guy cut his own tent open. Um, with the machete but it was a good creepy uh, situation going on and you thought maybe it was Jason so that was kind of cool but uh, as I've stated before it's just hard for me to be scared by situations like this so 7 out of 10 All right, Brian 
Okay, this is a bit weird, but six. Um, slashers have never scared me, ever. Even this movie. Jason is my home homeboy. It was the first horror movie I ever saw that really, you know, put me on the path and all that. I wasn't really scared by it. I Like you said, it's a very personal thing. And for me, I only get really scared through uh, ghost movies or spirit movies or stuff like that. Um, slashers, no matter how well they're done, have never frightened me. That being said, I love slashers. I have a huge slasher library. I've seen all of them multiple times. Uh, they're just fun, enjoyable movies I can watch with a smile on my face. But actually scary me? Not so much. And yeah. that being said, this is probably one of the most effective ones out of them. So, six. Okay. I just got I just had, like... You ever have a someone say something and you have a flashback to like a book you were reading or a story you were listening to or a, sto or a story you were listening to through a podcast or an audiobook or a movie you were watching? Mm -hmm. Like you just have a full I just had a full flashback to a Skeleton Crew episode where Jamie talked about seeing someone in her bathroom and how she just like straight up dipped and left her house. <laughs> and they like went on this whole thing about like did he like lean back to look at you or something it, it was i i don't know what episode it is i'm sure uh, they have like two episodes i think where they talk about personal ghost stories and shit and jamie might remember uh but i just had like a complete flashback when you said ghost stories because it may because obviously if i think about you it, it, i think about jamie and then I, if i think about jamie i think about skeleton crew and then going back to the ghost it made me remember that that story she told it's one great big daisy chain yeah, but yeah, um, spirits and ghosts and haunts and all that stuff, that creeps me the fuck out. Um, other things can be good, and I can enjoy them, but they really don't, you know, pin me down, you know, in the fear factor like those do. I, I'm with you. The, those are the movies that raise my anxiety so much. I literally, the first time I watched Sinister, had to stop it halfway through because I was about to have an anxiety attack. Those <laughs> movies, for some, they raise my anxiety. I like it's, they're a little bit harder for me to watch. Like I recently, finally just watched um, the first two Insidious movies for the mm -hmm. first time, and even through theirs, it, and James Wan has a problem where he makes his ghosts and shit very cartoony. But even those, I was still like, kind of like fucking. My arms were cold. My hair was sticking up. I was kind of. I, I was freaking out a little bit. I don't. I don't know what it is about ghost movies, but uh, I agree. They are the ones that get me the most. Cool. But uh, I gave Scare Factor an eight because what else gets me the most is I've grown up living mostly in the woods. Um, anyone who's from the South is used to living surrounded by a lot of woods, and that makes things like this much scarier for me. Um, he he just he just can't die. He keeps coming fucking back, and he he can get into anywhere. He can do anything. He is coming. You are in his woods, and you can't be here or he will come back. Anytime someone's in his woods, he comes back. And the fact that there's a kid in this one, and for me seeing this as a kid, um, I was like, oh shit, it's no longer the horny teenagers. I, I can die. I am in the mix. The, for the first time ever, I truly feel as a kid that I could have been killed by Jason. And I think that makes it much more terrifying as a child. 
um, knowing that the older crowd isn't the only ones who could become a victim. You could. Because until you see the end of the movie, you don't know if he's going to die or not. They're going to have the balls to do it. I had already seen Alligator. I had already seen one kid die in a horror movie. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he could die in this one, and it got me. But much like the first time I watched uh, the original Last House on the left, when I watch something where murder happens in the woods, it always happens to be when I'm surrounded by fucking woods. And it, it fucking gets me, especially at night. Uh, luckily, I live in apartments now. And uh, they're, the woods are not close enough. They're still there. They're still looming. But doesn't kill me. So I gave it an 8. Okay. We move into entertainment. Kenneth. I gave Is that Jamie and her cats? Cats? I can hear, yeah. I can hear Jamie, which means she has brought cats with her. Cats? Well, of course. <laughs> Okay. I uh, gave entertainment a nine. Because <laughs> I'm always entertained by this movie. I mean, there's never a point where I'm just like, you know, I can't watch this movie. If I see it on TV or something like that, I'm always going to watch it. I, I mean, this is just, it, to me, it's a very entertaining wallet. wallet. Take that. What is, Brian, what are you doing? Look, you can hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was supposed to be muted. <laughs> uh, something about a wallet. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Kenneth, I, I agree with you. If this movie's on, I could sit down and watch the shit out of this one. Mm-hmm. And it's one. It's one of the ones that I grew up watching them. Probably this one in part six. Probably I watched the most as a kid. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, because my mom always had one of these two on when I was a kid, and then you know, obviously when I discovered Part Seven, that was my go-to. But uh, yeah, this this one and Part Six were the two ones that my mom had on all the time when I was a kid. So I thought this movie was very entertaining. So I gave it a nine. All right, I'm actually really interested in this one, Jay. What do you give this for entertainment? I gave it a nine as well. It's it's. <laughs> the best Friday the 13th. So it is uh, the most entertaining Friday the 13th. With everything we've covered already, that kind of goes into the entertainment. The kills are varied and interesting, so that's entertaining. The acting is really good, so that's entertaining. Tommy Jarvis is one of the best heroes ever, so that's entertaining. Like Just the whole thing is just overall entertaining. So almost a 10, but uh, it's not perfect. So, 9 out of 10. Fair enough. Brian, are you back? Okay, he's not back. I'm doing entertainment. Uh, I also gave you this one a 9. It's beautifully shot. It's super well-crafted, and I am entertained anytime I watch it. Like, it's just... It is one of the easiest slashers to sit down and watch in general. Um, So, I I have to give it a 9. Brian, entertainment. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Um, entertainment, 10. I can, uh, I always enjoy this movie. Um, it puts a smile on my face. I giggle like a idiot while watching it. It is, uh, and again, it true was story. my, f- what's that? It's a true story. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jamie Way has to put two cents in. But I do. I just, I, when I watch this, I just laugh. Um, it's not like I'm laughing at it. I'm laughing with it. It makes me happy. So, 10. All right. We move into rewatchability. Uh, Kenneth. Also coming with a 9. 
Because like I said when I was talking about entertainment, there's never a moment where I can't rewatch this movie. If it comes on on TV, I'm more than likely going to watch it. Um, it's one of the uh, one of the go-tos that I go to when I feel like watching a Jason movie. So overall, I mean, it's you know, it's definitely got rewatchability, and for the most part, I mean, unless I was sitting there watching it on repeat like I did with Grandma's Boy and stuff like that, I doubt that I would ever really get bored with it. I agree with you there, Jay. Uh, eight out of ten. It's one of my go-to's when it comes to the Friday the Thirteenth movies. I've got a couple, and this is uh, this is definitely one of them. It's probably the one I rewatch the most. Um, I don't know why I didn't give it a ten. Now that I think about it, but uh, I know I had a reason when I wrote it down. I was also very tired, so maybe I didn't have a reason. But yeah, eight out of ten. It's it's easily one of the most rewatchable ones out of the entire series. All right, Brian. Uh, uh, yeah. 10 out of 10. It's, I could watch this movie every week, uh, out of the year. And I would enjoy it each and every time. Again, this is the high watermark for me when it comes to slashers and just overall fun, enjoyable horror. I love it. All right. I am also at a nine. Um, it is the most watched Friday the 13th for me. Only it, there's a close second with part five because I love part five and I can watch that one over and over. Um, but it's just one of the most well done slashers of all time. And the only reason it doesn't give a 10 for me is because it's not Jaws. Um, <laughs> if it, if it would have had a shark in it, maybe I would have bumped it to a 10. It was missing that. We move on to the last category. We are almost done with Friday the 13th, gentlemen. All right, pop culture, Kenneth. Also a nine. I mean, you know, he's, uh, you know, this is the first full where he's running around with a hockey mask on. Um, this one is known for Jason's best, best death. Um, it's known for the best hero. I mean, overall, I mean, this one has got, uh, to me, I think this one's got a huge pop culture status. So, Agreed. I gave it a nine. Jay, uh, I also gave it a nine. Like Kenneth said, it's the one where he wears the hockey mask the most. And if you actually look at a lot of the people who cosplay as Jason, the hockey mask with the chip missing out of it, where he got the axe to the head, is probably the most used one. Um, and like I said earlier, this is the movie that kind of solidifies how Jason is for the rest of the series. It's probably the most well-known. Um, version of jason uh the way he acts for the general audience so easily nine out of ten all right brian i gave it an eight um i can't argue with uh what everybody else said but i just think now it's maybe jason as a whole has taken a a step or two back um i do think that this movie specifically if for nothing else it's known as the joke that is the final chapter. Everybody knows, you know, yeah, the final chapter, right. Um, so that alone makes it memorable. So, yeah, eight. All right, I gave it a, a nine. It gives us Tommy Jarvis. It gives us a corkscrew. It gives us a dead fuck. Uh, hell, it gave us Gordon. Uh, this is one of the most important films in the franchise to Friday fans. Um 
especially when it's looking at living Jason. So I, I had to I had to come with a nine. And that means we are time. We are here for scores, guys. Here are the scores. I gave it 127 out of 150. Kenneth gave it 128. Jay gave it 120. And Brian gave it 130. So Brian, you gave it the highest score. And Jay, you gave it the lowest score. And Kenneth, you and I were off by one point. Yay. Woo! So close. And again, um, in retrospect, I would have been even higher. So <laughs> I, I feel like I would be even higher also because there's a few things that y'all have talked me up on that I would probably tick over to another point on a few of those. I probably would have ended up coming up to 130. Um, but that's the best thing about these is not only do people's scores come up, but we learn things. We get things we don't know explained to us and everyone kind of comes together to uh, make Horror Coliseum something special. And with that said, we are leaving Friday the 13th. Bye, good movie. All right, we are now going into A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 4, The Dream Warrior. And of course, uh, after we do all these ratings, I have a bunch of questions that if they don't get answered during the thing, I'm going to uh, ask y'all. Because with okay. the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, even though I've seen the entire series, these feel like first watches for me. Because I don't remember jack shit from Dream Warrior. I uh, Dream Master. Dream Master. Whatever. I feel like I would have known. It. I can't believe there's a movie with Christian Slater in it and I didn't know about it. Nah. I was like, what the fuck? Okay. I don't think he's in this. Uh, yeah, he is. He plays a uh, fucking uh, uh, Tuesday's boyfriend. Tuesday? Yeah, the fucking chick who uh, replaced uh, the other chick who is the same character. No, that's the brother Chris with the on. really bad hair. Right. Yeah, the chick that plays Alice is named her, her the actress's name is Tuesday Night. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, she performed the funny. theme song. Thank Ugh. you, Skeleton we'll Crew. I think uh, she's dead now. Is she dead now? Uh from this acting? Yeah, probably. Uh okay. <laughs> Alright, story. Uh this story is, is literally just a rehash of fucking Three, just done super dumb and super simple. They were like, copy our homework, but just change a couple of things. Uh, <laughs> so I gave it a five. This story was fucking awful. They're like, it, like it, it's enough to make the movie go. Uh, but I could care absolutely less about what the story of this movie is. Brian. Uh, agree. It's a five. Um, it does some really stupid things. The whole Freddy comes back because of dog pisses on him what the hell is that so the way they kill kill freddy sorry go ahead i read a thing that said that robert england says that that is supposed to represent that a hellhound is bringing him back to life yeah that's what you call reaching that's just it's dumb it's not a hellhound it's the guy's fluffy dog named jason cool enough but uh yeah that's it's it's dumb i'm sorry (laughs) Um, and the way they kill him at the end, the whole look in your reflection and he will die. It's like, really? That's the best you can do. You show Freddy a mirror and he just explodes. So. Yeah. When your death is weaker than how Christopher Lee dies in a hammer film. Yeah. You've got some fucking problems. Um, what saves it for me a little bit is, uh, some of the kills that we'll get to, um, there's the bit where they're like, hurry, we got to get to, I forget her name, so-and-so. And they get in a truck and they drive away. 
And then they show him coming running back out. Hurry, we got to get to so and so. And they get in a truck and they drive away. Oh yeah, the time. And then they show. Yeah, yeah I like that because that, that's very that's very dreamlike. And I like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies the best when they embrace the whole wacky w- rubber reality kind of thing where just stuff can happen because dream. But all the other parts, the main thrust of the story is just lame and tired. And like you said, it seems like a direct cut and paste from last one. I mean, hell, you got three returning characters. They kill them all off quick. And then you get a new girl who gets the same power that the last girl had. I mean, it, it's almost literally the same damn movie. Whoa, whoa. Four returning characters? Don't disrespect Kristen's mom like that. She held Oh, that's right. Okay. On delay. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jay, story. Uh, I gave it a six. Uh, not fantastic. The concept was there just was not executed as well. Also, it's not the same power. She gets everyone else's powers is what happens. Her power is to suck other powers. She's fucking yeah, she's uh, like the chick rogue. from yeah, rogue. Yeah. So that's a little different, okay? It's a little different than just being able to pull people under your dreams. That's the first power she gets. So anyway, the the story was there, the concept was there. They needed a way to bring back Freddy. And they did it stupidly. There's there's plenty of other ideas they could have used that they decided not to. Um, we get more unclarified dream abilities and Freddy's powers that just keep make not making sense. Um, but overall, it was okay. Just nothing nothing phenomenal. So that's why I rated it a little bit higher than you guys. All right, Kenneth. I actually gave it a seven. And the reason why I gave it a seven is because. Um, I agree with Jay on the not executing it very well, but I like the idea of uh, what they were trying to do to keep Freddy going. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think it was a little bit of a stretch to try to keep him going. But at the same time, they needed something and they needed something that was different. And so getting more kids involved in it by, you know, uh, this chick that has the power bringing in somebody else to kind of further Freddy along with new kids to go against i actually like that you know they had to figure out a way to do it and they and they figured out a way and then giving giving the one girl uh alice i think her name is all the powers from each one of the other people i like that i just think i like the idea behind it i just think that again they they did a shit job of fucking making it awesome so you know the idea behind it was cool so for the story i give it a seven now there are other things on it that I'm just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so so I've got a well pitch. one thing about the whole uh, girl getting everybody's power, it doesn't really factor into it at all. At the end, she does a little you know fight with all their various powers, but at the end, it's just it's a nursery rhyme. Nah, sorry, nursery rhyme that does Freddie in. She didn't need to have anyone else's power to do that. That's true. That- that's the reason why I'm saying. I mean, like I said, I thought the story was great, but how they executed it sucked. All right. So, okay. Ken, do you remember last time I was there and you and I were talking about how we would redo movies? Right. This is how I redo this movie. Okay. It's called The Dream Master. How do you bring Freddy Krueger back? Kristen can't stop having nightmares because she can't control her dreams because she's not a dream master, just a dream warrior. Therefore, she keeps having nightmares about Freddy Krueger. That fear from that, therefore, makes Freddy Krueger stronger, and he gets he comes back because of that. 
Then hop, do whatever you want. You can basically do the same movie up at that part. The end of it has Alice, who has become a dream master, able to control her dreams instead uh uh like puts Freddy in a in a dream that he cannot escape that she controls. So like he burst open with all the fucking uh, spirits and body parts and Leanna Quigley holding him down and he stays like that forever because she's a dream master and she can control her dreams and she can keep him locked in there. Bing, bang, boom. Leaves it to where so if something happens to her, Freddy uh, comes out. You can still do another movie. Thank you. Send me the fucking check. And see, that's what... that I feel like that's what they were kind of going for. They just really, really, really fucked yeah, up. Well, they should have hired me. Uh, I was born October 14, 1988. So I don't want to hear no shit. This movie came out in October. Or this movie came out in 1998. They could have waited a year and I could have gave them perfection. Woo! Fuckers. Okay. Uh, we move into character development. Uh, I gave this a six because Christian Slater's in it. Um, <laughs> and, and I feel you do get a little bit of character development, but it's really light. Um, and there's kind of a trade in the middle of this movie where you com- you have your three original characters that you know, and then you completely trade out those three for this new set of characters but as you're starting to learn them you literally get introduced to them and then lose them you find out one interesting fact about them then you fucking lose them um and that that kind of made it hard to develop any of these characters uh other than them literally like they they don't they don't just show you they have to tell you also she's into working out let's talk about working out out a lot this one's really smart let's make sure she's talking about those classes a lot um you know they they, they do the show you in, instead of they they do the show you and tell you they could have just shown us they had already shown us we got it um or one or the other don't do fucking both that's something that annoys me um and yeah just six for Christian Slater go ahead Brian excuse me this is also a six um for me this is the beginning of the downward slide for freddy where he just becomes more and more humorous with each movie that follows um it started with part three but i think that was a fine line that he walked between scary and menacing and silly and funny here it easily starts going the other way where just He's more funny all the time. I mean, the whole, hey, Rick, you're a saucy meatball. And you want to suck face. And just all his one-liners. They just It gets too much. So there is some character development in here. Unfortunately, it's bad character development for me. It weakens the character. And they take him down a path where, because he was getting so popular and he was getting, I mean, kids were worshiping freddy at this time so they really wanted to make him like i don't know gallagher with a razor glove or something like that and it just it it doesn't (laughs) work for me so six fair enough jay uh i gave the character development a seven um my 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 score for uh for freddy's change goes more into the killer um I like. Well, what is her name now? Alice. Oh, Jesus, wow. fuck. <laughs> I'm terrible with names. I really like the Alice character. Um, I am sympathetic to her situation of having to deal with uh, the loss of her mother 
and her father being an alcoholic asshole. Um, I like her change into a stronger, more independent character. Um, everyone else, like you guys said, is kind of just one notes like, oh, yep, that person's smart. That person likes working out. Now they're dead. That's sad. Um, so that's kind of why it got a why it got a seven instead of anything higher. But I really enjoyed Alice, so she's most of that that seven there. All right, Kenneth. It was a, pretty much the same thing. I gave it a seven for the same reason, and it wouldn't it wouldn't have got a high of 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 uh, a score if it hadn't have been for Alice, because at the beginning, you know the. The, exactly what Jay said, that thing about dealing with the fact of, you know, uh, losing her parent and then the way her father is dealing with the fact that he lost his wife and, you know, being a drunk and, and, and whatever else and taking out his bullshit on the kids and whatnot. I think that gave it a little bit more of a dynamic. And so for that reason that it got a seven, you know, and every, every and just like Jay said, pretty much everybody else was just kind of, you know, like y'all said, just kind of, you know, one and done, but she was the one that was really, she was the one that was really the driving force for character wise. So I gave it a seven. All right. Pacing and editing. I actually gave this an eight. The pacing isn't actually bad for this movie. It keeps going constantly. Um, I, I, I would, I'm never bored in this movie. I'm pissed off and confused, but I'm never bored. Uh, so that I give it that I, at no point am I ever like, please just move forward. I'm more like, you're stupid, or um, someone please fucking die. Please let it be Freddy. Please let the credits roll. So pacing and editing, <laughs> eight. Brian. I also uh, agree. It's not bad. I give it a seven, just slightly below you. Um, To me, it drags a little bit in the middle, but not horribly so. Um, It does, at the end, pick up some speed and... and the final confrontation is really abrupt, perhaps maybe a bit too much so. But uh, while I have some issues with the movie, I can't say it's because I'm bored or, you know, just wishing, oh, come on, get on with it. So I think it's well paced. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave the pacing editing an eight. Uh, despite my problems with the story and some of the characters, it it moves right along. There's it's never really a lull. You get the uh, the opening where we see what's been happening with the characters since the last one. Then Freddy comes on pretty quickly. We knock off the characters from the last one, and almost as soon as they're introduced, the old characters start to die. So there's plenty of of kills keeping it going. And despite all its other issues, I think it flows and is edited pretty well. I wouldn't really change anything edit and pacing wise. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a six. There were just moments in it, like like when uh, Kristen's going through the house, where I'm just like, "Come the fuck on," you know. I, I I mean, even if she was crawling on the ceiling upside down and whatnot, I was just like, "Okay," you know. And that may have had a little bit to do with uh, the actress playing her, because I really didn't care for her either. But you know, it was just, it's just one of those things where I'm just like. You know, got to get going, got to get going. And then I completely agree with Brian at the end of it, where it's just like, you know, uh, a couple of kicks, a couple of this, a couple of that. And then all of a sudden there's a mirror in its face and that's it, you know. Uh, and and so it just, uh, you know, it was like it was one of those things where, you know, at the end of it, you just could not get a good squirt. 
You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, you know, you're sitting there and you're vigorously jacking off and, I'm, uh, 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 and then it just don't blow all the way. And you're just like, man, what the fuck? That's kind of what it was for me. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we move on to uh, atmosphere. Uh, same problem I had with part three. Any creep me at atmosphere, it builds up. It ruins immediately with Freddy doing something fucking stupid. Uh, and I, I, so this movie gets an, a five for atmosphere for me. I like I see the attempts, but uh, they don't outshine the failures. So Brian, uh, ditto. It gets a five. Um, I, I never feel any sense of atmosphere in this. I never have any creeps or shutters or even like woo. It's just it's very in that regard by the numbers for me. It's like here we go. We're it's like they point a camera, they hit the record button, and that's all they care about. So, yeah, five. All right, Jay. Uh, surprisingly, I actually agree with both of you, and I gave it a five as well. Um, while I find uh, this version of Freddy with his witty one-liners to be highly entertaining, uh, I feel it kills any attempt to make a creepy atmosphere. I think probably the most, the creepiest thing in the movie are probably the parents with Alice's dad um, being unreliable as a parent and Kristen's mom being the same mom from number three. I feel those two characters are way more terrifying than Freddy is in this. Um, and really the only thing that was creepy about Freddy is when he dresses up in drag and uh, pretends to be the school nurse. Like, <laughs> That was that was the creepiest the creepiest Freddy moment for me. So yeah, I gave it a five out of ten. Fair enough, Kenneth. Fives all around. Nah, I love it. Love nah. it. Fives Media. all around. Because I mean, it was just there really wasn't a whole lot of atmosphere there. I mean, you know, there were I agree there were moments where it was just like uh, it was almost there, and then something fucked it up. So, you know, I get I give it a five. All right, we move on to scenery set design. I gave it an eight. Uh, this is one thing that this uh, series is is good at. Everything always looks good, um, it, and it it doesn't quite reach the impressiveness as part three. But as I go on, I just have to constantly say, "Well, you know what? Their sets look fucking good." Um, it's like they're really good at the technical stuff, and they're not as good at the creative of the like actually characters and stories but what the camera's pointing at will look good brian once again i agree with you 100 percent. it's an eight and like you said technically things look good um when we're in the nightmare world world things look off just enough um i love the look of nancy's old house how it's fallen apart over the years at least in dreamland and just everything, I mean, there's a, it's a little thing, but it's an overhead shot of the classroom when, uh, what's her name? The brainy one. I forget her name. Anyways, the whole, you want to suck face. She's sitting in the center of this room and just the tiles on the floor, they all radiate out from her. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's cool. It's something that would be in a dream. And like I said, I like when the nightmare movies really go with that. But uh, like you said, they have the technical expertise down. For me, it's the artistic side that is somewhat lacking here. But as far as scenery and set, eight. All right, Jay. 
I thought I already did. Oh, no, I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> that was the atmosphere. Uh, I did scenery and set design in 8 as well. We were all on the same page with this one. Um, like you guys said, despite all the other issues it has, the movies always tend to look good. Um, I really, I think these movies have more of an opportunity uh, with scenery set design than the Friday the 13th movies do because Friday the 13th takes place in the real world and basically in the same location every movie, so it tends to get a little stale, whereas these can play around with that because we have the dream world. So that's why this one scored a little bit higher than uh, the Friday the 13th, and it all looks good when you're actually watching it. All right, Kenneth. I give it a nine. I, and the main reason why I stepped up one above an eight was because of the tiles in the uh, in the classroom and the junkyard. I thought the junkyard looked great. It gave it that maze feel to it versus in the third one it looked like a le- it looked like a legit junkyard. But I think the difference is is the dream world versus the real world because the junk junkyard was in the real world in the first one. So. Uh, in the third one, but in this one, it definitely it it has that labyrinth feel to it, especially when you see that big shot where it looks like the whole world is the junkyard. Mm-hmm. It definitely has that labyrinth feel to it. And then yeah, the tiles and like Brian said, I thought that was great. I thought whoever built that to make it look that way did a great job on the tiles and that. And that's the reason why I stepped it up to a nine. All right. We move on to my favorite category when it comes to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Acting. Oh, lordy. Four. Who the fuck... I understand that the director is not American. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seriously, you couldn't look at Tuesday night and be like, I understand you're giving us the theme song, but you gotta act better? She's horrible. Uh, none, of the, none of the performances in this movie to me for the acting wise is good. Some of the performances while special effects are happening are very well, uh, for the stunt people, but the acting by our our standard cast is fucking terrible. In fact, I gave it, uh, so it was, it was at a two. Then I was like, Oh, well, Nancy's not no Heather Lincoln camp at a point. And I like Kmart Christian Slater. So I added another point. So it came up to a four from a two. And I feel like those are justifiable. Uh, but we'll see how, Maybe I'm wrong while we move on to these three. Brian acting. I think I killed Brian by saying a four. Uh, Brian's dead. Brian's Sorry. dead. Jay acting. Rest in peace. Uh, Jay gave the acting a seven. Um, I didn't really get what you were saying from any of them. I mean, it was typical teen unknown actors uh, acting in a slasher film. So I didn't really... My standards for these kind of movies are, are already lower than normal, but I didn't really have a problem with anybody. Nobody really stood out to me as, oh, God, they're super grating. Um, and then Robert England is always fantastic as Freddy, regardless of how they're writing the character. His acting always stands out to me. So he makes up most of that, but the rest of it I just didn't didn't have a problem with. So that's why I gave it a seven. All right, then. Uh, Brian, are you back? Yes, I am. Sorry, All my right. computer and microphone are fighting. Um, acting. Five. There is some really bad acting in here. Freddy, or Freddy, Robert is always good as Freddy. Even if he is starting to get too jokey and smirky for me, he still delivers a hell of a performance. Um, as for everyone else, they are all just different levels of suck. Um... 
we watched this, uh, me and Jamie, uh, last night. And on three different occasions, one of us would go, wow. I mean, just at that level of horrible acting in this. And yes, I agree with you. Tuesday is just bad. Uh, she is easily the low water mark of all the actors. So, uh, and this is one in retrospect, maybe I would have went down a little bit, but I was feeling generous and gave it a straight five. I actually did have it knocked up a little. I had like, I had it low. Like I had it at like a two for Robert England. And then I, I, I brought it up slightly. Um, but I, I just, I just can't Kenneth. What are you with acting on this? I gave it a five also. I mean, and if it hadn't been for Robert England, it, it, it wouldn't have got that because I, Tuesday night's acting was just fucking shit. It was terrible, you know, and, uh, Joey and Kincaid were pretty much the same people. And so, you know, uh, for, and that was another reason why I got a little bit higher is because Kincaid's acting stayed the same. He didn't start, he didn't get any worse and he didn't get any, uh, you know, any better. So he was pretty much the same character. So I liked the fact that they stuck with it and didn't change anything drastic, but the rest of them were just terrible. I mean, so he got a five. And looking at it now, I probably would have knocked off another point or two. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. If Heather Leathenkamp would have been here, I would have gave it a one. I would have given it a seven. Oh, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. She's awful. <laughs> two, okay. Just Next to Tuesday, she might look good. I want to stick my dick in damn Heather Langenkamp's mouth so bad. And it's well, always it's, open, so it should be easier. Yeah. It's always fucking open. She ain't going to shut it ever. Jesus Christ. Um, all right, we move on to special effects. Something else that this series is actually really good at. And once again, I think they do a good job here. Um, I gave it an eight. Um, I do feel it's a little less ambitious than some of the other stuff done in the movies with, uh, really the, the, the two deaths that stick out the most are, uh, Debbie, the one who works out, which I'm half and half on. I don't like the arm breaks. Where the fuck's the blood? That, like, there should have been blood there. You don't rip someone's arm open like that and not get a little bit of blood. But also, it's I just... It's the dream they, world. Uh, and what, Freddie don't like blood all of a sudden? I'm just saying you can excuse um, pretty much any illogicalness with that. Eh, yeah, I'm not going to give you that. Uh, no, they, they, they sh- they've killed... Okay, Johnny Depp died in the dream world and his blood was fucking everywhere. That's true. Um... So it just, I just didn't like that. But when it comes to her becoming a bug, I did like that. I liked him crushing the box and Phantasm blood coming out. That was cool. Uh, and then the ending with, with Freddy's chest and all that looked great. Um, so special effects are an eight. Um, I feel like they should have been better in this movie compared to three. But what are you going to do? Brian. Uh, once again, I'm right there with you. Also an eight. Um, for me, the highlight is the whole Roach Mattel scene. I really get a kick out of that. Um, and yes, the Freddy, the souls of my children, that was really well done. And hell, anytime you get to see Linnea's uh, tatas, that's going to get a few points for me right there. So, uh, right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, an impressive eight. All right, finally some high swings. Jay? 
Uh, also an eight. We're on. We're on pretty much the same page with this movie tonight. Um, yeah, basically echoing what you guys said. I uh, I actually don't like the uh, initial arm break either, but that's because it looks uh, more rubbery than any of the other special effects. Her, but once the skin. actually arms come her out, her skin yeah, is thicker than great. my dick. And then her, uh, yeah, that's true. And then her face ripping off to reveal the cockroach head was really good. Um, uh, Freddy's death is probably death, quote unquote, is probably my my favorite Freddy death out of all of them. The they built a giant model of his chest to have those hands come out, and shot like his reaction to it, and the way they did that is just super impressive to me. And so I really, really, really like the way he he bites it in this one. Uh, not story-wise, just the special effects with the hands coming out of his chest and all the souls inside of him rebelling. Um, but yeah, everything was pretty much on point the whole movie. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a nine. Mary Jane says she disagrees. I heard her. Well, I don't know. I don't see Mary Jane in here. Oh, He's like, is. let me confirm that. <laughs> that <laughs> might have been one of mine. And Fatty Cat is solely passed out man. oh then it's probably I mean, one he is cat. out anyhow yeah i gave uh, i gave the special effects a nine i mean i thought that uh you know aside from again i agree with y'all with the arms but aside from that i thought the cockroach scene was great um my favorite thing above all in the entire movie was the look of freddy i liked the way his makeup was done i thought it was done really well and watching it on blu-ray in here i think it it shines better than any of the previous ones that we've watched so far because you get the 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 cool thing about the the cartoony freddy when he starts getting his one-liners and shit like that is they also show him a lot more in the light and so like in the classroom scene you get a straight up close-up view of what freddy looks like in broad daylight you know, you can't really tell as much in the beach scene because he's got it, still got his hat on and sunglasses. But you get a straight, full-on, no hat on shot of his face, and it looks awesome. I think that makeup looks so good. And so, you know, between that and the cockroach scene and then a couple of other spots that were in it, I thought it was great. So I, I gave it a nine. I also got to add the, the, the killing of uh, the black girl, the smart girl. I can't remember her name. Uh, looked awful. Yes. Um, it was so bad that I, I just took it out of my brain. It's not in my notes or nothing. I just wanted to pretend like that one didn't exist. But there's a specific shot when he's sucking her face and you can see like her eye, fake eye cave thing in. It's just, it's awful. Uh, She's a rubber sex doll. Well, don't, don't say that. You'll get Kenneth all horny. Okay. Um... Uh, <laughs> We, we move on. I'm so excited. <laughs> we move on to kill slash gore. Um, I gave this a six. I think the kills are severely lacking. Um, the only interesting one's the bug one. Um, though I will say my actual favorite, and it's not necessarily the kill of it, but the reveal of Joey inside the waterbed when his mom finds him. One of my favorite shots, and... And even though technically there was blood everywhere in that dream world, uh, no blood then. That was weird. Um, but I, I just was not impressed by the, the kills. Freddy's kill is really good. 
The bug kill is good, but I almost lean more towards the special effects of it than the actual kill. And then the reveal of Joey was pretty actually terrifying. Other than that, this, this movie used a whole lot of uh, hand glove kills. And uh, I understand you ran out of budget for the, the uh, fucking bootleg Christian Slater scene. But Jesus, <laughs> come on. You really yeah. like, thought that... like. I, were you just like, dude, we made a dog piss on him to bring him back to life. They'll fucking believe anything. Come on, man. That's just disrespectful to your audience. Anyway, so I, I only gave it a six. I think I'll probably be the lowest on this one, but we'll see. Brian? Nope, I gave it a five. Um, And all of that was for the cockroach kill. And like you said, a large part of that can be attributed to the, S, the, the special effects. But for me... All the kills here are just underwhelming and forgettable. I mean, there's just so many stab you with my glove, stab you with my glove. And especially the would-be Christian Slater and the whole invisible Freddy. Like you said, I get the whole we ran out of money, we couldn't get Robert back or whatever. You couldn't do anything else that was the best you had? So, five. Fair enough. Jay? All right. I swung high on this one. Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, I find the kills highly entertaining, actually. Um, Again, this is because I like the one-liners that Freddy spouts. So that, me enjoying that on a personal level, entertainment-wise, kind of lends to why I enjoyed the kill so much. I like the suck face kill. I like the cockroach kill. I like Invisible Freddy because it makes sense with the whole uh, karate thing. Whether that makes sense in the story or not is besides the point. I I got a kick out of that. I thought that was hilarious. Um, so while it may not have been the intended uh, purpose, I felt that they were all very entertaining to me and varied enough uh, that... I was able to score it an 8 out of 10. All right, Kenneth. I gave it an 8 also because uh, there were th- there were aspects of the kills that I really enjoyed. Like, for instance, uh, Kincaid's kill in the junkyard. When he swings his damn hand around, and it may be just a glove kill, but, man, there's some fucking force behind when he gets that, when he gets that guy in the gut. You know what I'm saying? And then he does it a second time and puts some force into it. I mean, it wasn't like when, he, when you know, he's holding up the wizard kid in part, th- in, in part three and he just kind of, you know, eh, in his chest or something like that. No, he, I mean, he swings for fucking goddamn that dude's spine when he comes around and fucking brings it into his guts. I like that. I was just like, damn. You know, and then, uh, you know, using other people's things against them. You know what I mean? Like uh, like Joey's kill in the waterbed. You know, that one was cool. The suck face thing and her, you know, her asthma and stuff like that, which I'm pretty sure at some point in time she was afraid she was going to die from an asthma attack or something like that. I like that. I like the fucking cockroach thing. So there were th- there were aspects of the kills that I really enjoyed, and I like the way that they twisted them around. You know, it's just some of them weren't executed very well. But overall, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed them. All right. Well, we move on to Monster Slash Killer, and I gave it a six. Uh, Freddy is lame as shit, guys. Uh, he's not funny. His catch lines suck, and he's not scary. Uh Robert, the reason it gets a six is just based off Robert England's performance of the material he was given. 
Uh, he he always knocks it out of the park as Freddy. I just wish he was given better material because even the one-liners in this movie are fucking just awful. Uh, fucking that meatball one kills me. That's just so cringeworthy bad. I just want to suck face. That's not even a fucking joke. Like that, ugh. This, I, honestly, I have so much respect for Robert England and, and his performance as the character that I gave it a six, but honestly, I could have been way harsher here. Um, Brian. Five. Um, and some of that has to do with anger because I do not like what they're doing with Freddy. And that may seem low, but in the following Nightmare on Elm Street movies, that would be even lower. I do not like funny Freddy. I do not like, like, you know, all his one-liners and... I love soul food and all that stuff. It's just, it's, he was such a good character in in the first one. And he he was a good character starting to get a little funny, but still strong in the third one. And even in the second one, I didn't like where it went, but he was still scary in that. Here he just gets silly and more and more ridiculous as time goes on. So there might be some of that in here because I just, I really don't like what they were doing with him. So, five. Fair enough. Jay? Uh, Six, surprisingly enough, or maybe surprising, maybe not so surprising. I don't know. You rate it the same as me. That's pretty surprising. Um, So, again, I find One Liner Freddy to be entertaining. Um, For me, me, the character doesn't really get annoying until Freddy's dead. I despise Freddy's dead. I'll talk more about that when we get there. but he's not at that point yet. Yes, this is more silly. There's absolutely zero darkness left to him where he had retained at least a little bit of it in all the movies prior. Um, this time he's gone. Like him putting on sunglasses is absolutely goofy, but I still am very entertained by it. So I don't I don't really uh, care for it story-wise, uh, but entertainment-wise, I still get a kick out of it. And so that's kind of why I landed at a six. All right, Kenneth. I put it at a seven. And, you know, I might be the highest, but I'm slowly walking it back. Because, like, I gave him an eighth in the last one. And so I'm slowly walking it back because of, you know, it just, from this point on up until New Nightmare, it just gets sillier and sillier. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, I'm slowly walking it back. But there are still aspects of him that I find that you know, are brutal. If the if they took out the one-liners and, and, and left the kills the way they were, he'd be a little bit more sinister. You know, so there are still aspects of it that I see as him being a little bit more brutal, but overall, I mean, he's just slowly getting worse and worse. All right. Uh, next, we move into the ever-controversial hero. Uh, I gave this a seven. Alice is cool, but she doesn't go through the struggle against the enemy that I feel like she should. Um, hers is more of the, the guilt trip of her feeling that people are dying around her. Um, Kristen does a lot of the fighting early on. And then when it switches to Alice, uh, Freddie does more of a psychological battle against her. And then, and, and then Alice ends up winning the last battle by straight up doing some Goku shit. Really, someone else did all the work. And she just kind of slides in at the end to be like, I'm taking care of this and fucking killing Frieza in Resurrection of F and Vegeta like, motherfucker, that was my kill. I had this. Um, 
So I don't know. I I, I think I was just really nice on this one. So I, I probably could have honestly went lower, but I was nice. So I gave Alice a seven. Brian? Another five. Um, She doesn't impress me. She doesn't anger me. I'm never like, oh, damn it, get someone else, or why'd you do that? But she just she does nothing noteworthy. And especially if you think about, she does get this cool ability to... You know, use all the strengths of her friends to fight Freddy at the end, and then nothing comes of it. She kind of does it, but it has no effect. And like I said, it just it's a nursery rhyme at the end that does all the... Because she remembers what her mom would say, and it just... I don't know. She She's not very good. She's not inspiring. Um, five. All right. Jay? Uh, seven. Like I said earlier, uh, I'm really sympathetic to her situation. Um, I grew up with an alcoholic single parent uh, taking care of me, uh, and I kind of had to be the parent a lot of the time, so maybe that's that's why I like that she goes from being afraid to stand up for herself to willing to take on the thing that's killing all of her friends. I mean, granted, that's a standard plot device, but I still enjoy it, and so... I gave her a 7 out of 10. All right. Kenneth? I gave her a 6. And, um, you know, I liked, I liked the fierceness of her at the end because she definitely had a, had a ferocity at it. But at the same time, you know, I liked Alice at the beginning. You know what I'm saying? And had she made that transition on her own without the 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 personality traits coming from what she is getting from her dying friends, it probably would have been a little bit cooler to me. But she, you know, and I think that kind of goes into what Jerry was saying about the struggle because she doesn't, you know, go through it. All, all she really sees is that her friends are dying around her, but the majority of her strength and her bravery comes from these attributes that she's acquiring from the rest of her friends. It's not coming from her having a spiritual or 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 damn mental evolution. Well, I didn't even think about that to be honest with you. That's a good point. Yeah, she's not. She's not doing it on her own. So for this for like I said the ferocity of her at the end of it, I gave it a 6, but you know, if I if I wanted to really really sit down and pick it apart, I probably would have dropped the score down very 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 far because of just simply, you know, the hero at the end of it is an Alice. It's the shell of Alice with all the rest of her friends powering her along. Yeah, it's all the people inside Alice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I think that one for me was when I scored high because I was like, man, I'm giving this some kind of low scores. So I was like, I'm going to throw a bone to this one. But I think this is one that I also would come down on. But one that I will, that I will say I'm sticking to. This one might surprise you. Score slash soundtrack. I'm giving it an eight. I, this soundtrack wow. is dope. It 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 fucks with '80s like pop music instead of '80s metal because we all know I don't like '80s metal. And I I'm jammed to some Sinhead O'Connor. Okay, fight the real enemy. All right, see me on SNL. That's all I gotta say. Uh, I enjoyed the soundtrack to this. I jammed out to it. Uh, I was getting my MTV on. I don't care what people think about me because fuck it. Uh, Brian, you know I gave this a seven. It's good. It's a solid soundtrack. Um. And I'm going to throw Tuesday some love. Well, I don't think she can act. 
I like her 80s nightmare song at the end. It is cheesy and 80s is all hell, but I love that. It's right in my wheelhouse. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Fat Boys and they're ready for Freddy. That is just horrible. But, uh, yeah, seven. Fair enough, Jay. Wow. Uh, I gave it a five. Uh, and this is kind of what I was mentioning uh, during the Friday the 13th review is that its use of actual songs feels really out of place at the times they decide to use them to me. While the songs themselves aren't bad, when they're presented in the movie, it just like contradicts the the atmosphere I feel like they're going for. Like having that fun like 80s pop song while Alice is gearing up getting ready to fight. I'm like, "What? That's so you're right." Because there's what? no way anyone exercises to send out O'Connor. No way. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Um, but besides that, you know, the, the standard music was okay uh, when they had it. But just the the music itself fell off in the scenes when they used it. So, yeah, five. All right, Kenneth. I gave it an eight. I thought the soundtrack was great. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, there were good there were good songs all the way through it, and it, and it actually paved the way for one of my favorite songs that I still that is actually in my iTunes that I still listen to uh, to this day, and different versions of it, which is uh, the Barama Rama uh, Anything Anything, that song that's playing uh, when you hear when you see uh, uh, the brother fucking doing his uh, martial arts thing in the fucking garage. Oh yeah, I fucking love that song. That song is great. Yeah, that, that I mean. Is. I have always loved that. I love the lyrics to that song. I mean, that's one of those songs that, you know, uh, I searched out after I saw this movie. And, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those that the lyrics fucking really hit home and resonate with me. So I really like that. And then the other songs that were in it were great, too. You know, the main part of the score was pretty generic and just like all the rest of the movies. But the the the, the song picked in this was they, they were good. I, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. All right, fair enough. Ooh, fuck me. We move into Scare Factor. I gave it a five because no, just just no. Like the water bet death is is kind of freaks me out a little bit. But I I have a hard time just getting scared of this Freddy. Like yes, he has the ability to kill me. He's a dream demon. Demon. Uh, he's gonna turn me into a fucking meatball. Like get the fuck out of here, homie. You you're not scary anymore. You're done. Go back to fry to fucking uh, Nightmare Two. And uh, rework the the uh, uh, homophobia mental uh, fucking travesty there, and find your scariness and come back because th- you're not doing it in this movie. Sorry, just now, uh, Brian. <sighs> a two. Um, yeah. There is nothing scary in this. Nothing. 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 Nothing remotely scary. Um, and that could be affected by by the fact that I just, again, I actively hate when Freddy's doing these one-liners and being all wacky. It is the anti-scary. So for me, it just totally doesn't work in that department. All right. Jay. Uh, five. Uh, there are still some, some creepy elements. The opening is a little creepy. Um, before Freddy gets resurrected is creepy. Um, when he's not talking is creepy. <laughs> um, I really liked the hospital set at the end when he's like asleep in surgery. I thought that whole 
situation and setup was really was really cool and a, a good concept. You know, he's kind of under anesthetic, and then he starts bleeding when they are operating on him in the real world. So even though we don't ever get a solid set of rules that Freddy has to operate by, that the dream world operates by, I thought that was a cool concept. Um, so yeah, at five out of ten. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a three. Hmm. I just, I just, it, it really. There were there were a couple of spots that were just a just slightly unnerving, but when I say slightly, I really mean slightly. And the only reason why I gave this one a three mainly is because of those two things and the fact that I'm pretty sure there there's gonna come in. It's gonna come in lower later. Yeah, I it only got a five for me because I I think I really am terrified of the whole waterbed death. If I wake up and I'm trapped inside a waterbed, I'm freaking the fuck out. It's game over. Uh, we move on to entertainment. Uh, mine's going to be real quick. I gave it a six because this movie is lacking, but I wouldn't call it boring. Uh, it's passable. Brian. Five. Um, it's a middle-of-the-road movie for me. It doesn't anger me when I watch it. Like some of the later ones legitimately do anger me. I get mad and I have to turn them off. I can watch this one, but I don't really enjoy it all that much. So middle of the road. All right, Jay. Uh, entertainment, I gave an eight. I've been saying it this entire review. Despite all the problems I have with it, I've always been entertained by this one. It's not my favorite, um, but I, I can pop it on. I enjoy this version of One Liner Freddy, like I said, he gets he gets way worse as it goes on. But I'm I'm consistently entertained by this, so I gave it an eight. All right, Kenneth, I gave it a seven. I mean, it's still entertaining. I mean, there might be a lot of thing aspects of it that I'm just like, huh. But there are far worse movies out there, and uh, this is one of those that uh, you know I do revisit this movie from time to time. So it's you know it's definitely it, it can be entertaining. So I just gave it a seven. I mean, yeah. All right, rewatchability. I gave it a four. Uh, while it is passable for its first time for entertainment. Uh, it's not passable enough for a second watch. I, I don't see me ever going back and watching this movie unless I have to for a podcast or something like that. So four, Brian, I gave it a three for the very same reason. I will never watch this movie on my own accord. If I got to watch it for a show or something like that. Okay, sure. But I'm never, the day's never going to come when you, Hey, you know what? I want to watch nightmare in Elm street four. That's not going to happen. Jamie just looks at you and go, and I want a divorce. <laughs> no, she agrees. Well, that hurts my joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I'm on you, Jay, right? Rewatchability? Yes. Go. Jay. Uh, six. Six out of ten. Um, not my favorite. Uh, not the worst. So, kind of falls in the middle of the road. But better than a five. So... Yeah. Okay. Six. Kenneth, I gave it a seven. I mean, like it's like I said, it's one of those that I do I do go back and revisit from time to time. I mean, there are problems that I have with it, but overall, I can rewatch it because it's you know, it's still kind of uh, it's still a fun movie sometimes. So. Okay. Well, we move into our uh, last category: pop culture. I have a hard time with the uh, nightmare pop culture. Because I don't fully know what you people like about this series. Um, 
So, and so I tried to think, okay, what did I know about this movie before it came on? How much did I know about it? So I gave it a six because people do talk about One Line Freddy, which you do get in this movie, and people talk about the stupidity of the dog piss. So because of that, I I, I did some mathematics. I put in a computer. It uh, it said it was Freddy's a, a dead uh, fuck. De- yeah, <laughs> you, you you jumped in line on my joke, but yeah, it's a six. Uh, six is a dead fuck apparently. I thought it'd be a five, but apparently if you can still fuck, you're a six. So dead fuck. Brian. While this movie is not my cup of tea, I give this an eight because Freddy was just a steamroller at this point. Everything was Freddy. Freddy, 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 Freddy cartoons, Freddy 1-800 numbers, Freddy cereal, Freddy TV shows. I mean, and that has lingered. Um... As I said, I don't like where Freddy was his girl going. I think they were weakening the character, but I don't think there's any... You can't deny the impact he had on pulp culture. And this was, if I remember correctly, the most successful Nightmare on Elm Street movie as yes, far as financially. It was. I read that. It only got beat by Freddy versus Jason, which yes. I don't think counts. No. So this is... It's a powerhouse. I don't necessarily like it, but I can't deny it. All right, Jay. Uh, I gave it a seven. Uh, it's it's got some some things that are stuck around. There's there's a gif and memes that go around with Freddy on the beach with his sunglasses on. Um, so that's stuck around. People talk about the stupid dog, like he said. Um, so it's got some things that are stuck around, but it's definitely not the most memorable of the series. Uh, I think. Freddy's Dead is actually more memorable, even though it's a worse movie, uh, just because of when it came out and whatnot. But again, we'll get to that a little later. Um, so yeah, just a seven out of ten. All right, Kenneth, I gave it a nine. And the reason why I gave it a nine is because I mean, I'm, I'm just going to expand on basically what uh, what Brian said. I mean, it's this one right here between this one and the one before it. This is what really solidified the character of Freddy for what he became. And also it really solidified him into the culture. It really did. I mean, this is the one that really took Freddy into that MTV. I'm everywhere thing. You know, part three started it. This is the one that really fucking, I mean, part three lit the fuse. This was the explosion. This is the one that, that it really, I mean, it just everywhere. You know, and 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 the thing about it is, is you know, uh, the dog, the music. I mean, everything. I mean, it was all, it was all the MTV Freddy. This is when when this movie came out. This is when you start seeing him on talk shows, and shit like that. This is when you. This is when there was uh, the the you know kids were running around in Freddy pajamas. That was this movie. This movie is the one that did it. All right, fair enough. All right, well he. Uh, I'm gonna go to the scores, but we're we're not quite done yet because I've I've got some things I want to point out uh, for the Nightmare movie. But points wise, I gave it a 92. Kenneth gave it 103. Uh, Jay gave it 101, and Brian gave it an 84. So highest goes to Kenneth, lowest goes to Brian. Two of us under 100, two of us over 100, uh, and that means. Friday the 13th Part 4 does win this round because nothing was under. The lowest score for that was 120 points. So, Tied up. Yeah. 
So now we are tied up. Two points for Friday the 13th, two points for Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, five is going to be interesting. Uh, I think so. So in a dogfight, who wins, uh, Gordon or Jason? <laughs> um, who is Gordon? The dog from part four, from Friday 4, Golden Retriever. Oh. Oh, you're, okay, I get it. Uh, I was confused because you said Jason. I'm like, who... Jason would okay, you mean the dogs? Yes. Uh, Gordon. Gordon is uh, walking around the woods on his own, like, chilling out for two days, you know, hanging out, and then he comes back. He's he's definitely the stronger dog. I agree. I mean, you just can't kill Goat. Gordon, he jumped I, out a window. He's still alive. I love Gordon more, but uh, Jason is the dog of Kincaid. Okay? The dog doesn't have dream powers. No, I, I disagree. I fucking disagree. And it can only piss fire when it's resurrected. Hold up. I've got a quote that actually brings into me another question. Uh, are when Ken when Kincaid gets pulled into the dream, um, where or not when he gets pulled when Kincaid goes into the dream, where his dog pisses Freddy back to life, mm-hmm. is that Kincaid's dream? Or the dog's dream. Does Jason have the power to pull people in, and he and and he because he's obviously susceptible to being pulled into the dreams because he came in because he got pulled into the first dream where he bit uh, Heather and she physically had a bite mark, and Kincaid even says, "My dog's like me, like that dog's a fucking fighter." But is that Jason's dream or Kincaid's dream where the dog pisses on? Uh, Freddy. I think it was a dog's Freddy dream. If it was a dog's dream, I think it would be in black and white, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, but we're seeing it through Kincaid's eyes. Then it's his dream. Mm. And then also, you got to think, right after Kincaid gets killed, uh, Jason's in the bed with him, like, freaking out, because he, you know what I'm saying, his master just died. Well, yeah, because he was in the dream, and he got kicked out of the dream once the dude died, right? Yeah, but then again, Jason didn't see any of the death or anything. I was like, hey, because he ran off into the junkyard when Kincaid was getting killed. I, I was just trying to try to make sense of Freddy coming back by a dog pissing fire onto him. You can't. And I was like, well, maybe if the dog, it was the dog's dream. But okay. Well, okay. Um, but, but, tw- but to answer your question, I think Jason would whoop Gordon's ass. No. I, just, I think I'm with you. Jason would whoop Gordon. In your Gordon's dreams. A, Gordon is a... Gordon is a fucking little nice house, uh, white people golden retriever. Jason out here in the hood, all right. He's he's <laughs> handling saying. it. He. I lo- mean, Gordon looks like the fucking behind the white picket fence kind of dog. Yeah, he ain't never been in a street fight. No, Jason been in a street fight his whole life. Living in the woods on his own, while Jason sits in the house. Yeah, Gordon has turned feral. He's a man over dude. two days. Yeah, no, I don't think Jason. He's Jason takes think he's vac- way more badass. <laughs> Jason takes vacations in the streets for a week. He's been doing that his whole life. He's oh, down. Yeah. In the first sign of trouble, he runs away. Yeah, he can also piss fire. Yeah, it's because okay? he's ashamed that he brought Freddy back by pissing on it. <laughs> Only in somebody's dream. All right. Uh, so a line I have a problem with is Alex uh, uh, Alice saying, "Ever heard of a dream master?" And Kristen's response is, no, sounds like a game show host. Bitch, you're a dream warrior. <laughs> why? Like, why is that something you're not, you're like, no, I'm going to make fun of you. Shut the fuck up. Um, I love the camera work and the Kristen drugged by her mom scene. Uh, 
I said the Debbie's arm ripped open thing. Uh, you know one of the biggest things I got a problem with? Why? My dick. <laughs> now I do. Uh, no, at the beginning when they're in the fucking school and uh, Alice, uh, not Alice, Kristen is talking to Kincaid and Joey and when they all walk off, there's four slash marks in the lockers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hated that. I fucking hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh. he hasn't been resurrected yet, and it's there. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And then the bright light. Who the fuck has got all these bright lights? I mean, this ain't Hellraiser with fucking goddamn blue lights shining through the bricks. It's bright light point. coming through. Bullshit. I didn't um, like it. Someone at some point, I, I didn't write down the character, but someone said, make a wish. And I think I think it was Alice. She said, make a wish. And I'm like, so can we make Dream Master turn into a Wishmaster sequel? Because I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for that. Mm. That would be awesome. That would be either the greatest thing ever or the greatest train wreck to ever hit cinema. Um, Okay, this is a big one. What's up with the whole Nancy's house thing? Because the glove was kept there for the first two movies, but in number three, now it's magically buried with the body. Um, Nancy dies in three, so why does Nancy's house become Freddy's house? He didn't live there. He didn't get killed there. His glove was just kept there. That's literally... The one connection, yeah. but in the third movie, it's magically buried with the bones instead of being uh, in the boiler where it is in the first two movies. You're right. From uh, part three, well, part three, it makes sense because you got Nancy coming back. Yeah. But from part four on, it makes no damn sense. But it just, it's an icon. And it is, it is iconic. You can instantly recognize it, but... It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be still in these movies. All connections to it have been killed. Yeah. Uh, And my last thing is, is I want to talk about the difference that I find uh, between Jason doing his standard basic kills where it's, you know, just a a throat slit or a stab versus Freddy's standard kills of just stabbing you in the gut and why I have a problem more with Freddy doing it than Jason doing it. Uh, Because it, it basically comes down... Freddy has the ability to do more in the dreams. He has the ability to do these crazy deaths, to turn his hand into syringes, you know, to do all this kind of shit. And Jason doesn't. Jason has to use what literally is lying around. So a lot of times he doesn't have the ability to do something crazy. He's just got to do what he's got to do. Uh, and that's why it bothers me more when Freddy does a standard stab you in the gut kill. Uh, I think it is okay, like when Kenneth said when he killed Kincaid in here, he did it with such force. It was impactful. And it worked. But I think they really, if they keep using the, the stab in the stomach, because I don't know why Freddy has to stab in the stomach. You can stab him in the face, the throat, the dick, anything. You can stab <laughs> him in the fucking gut. Um, and if they keep doing that, I'm going to have a real problem uh, okay. going forward. So I have two things to say about the house. And this is just me spitballing. I'm not trying to like say, no, it's great because this. It's just me coming up with logical reasons why. So, in the first movie, Nancy was his, like, biggest competitor, the person who killed him, defeated him, whatever. It was in that house. So, as time goes on, he's made that part of his dream world. You know, it has significant meaning to him because it was the place of his first defeat. So he keeps reusing it. That's just the only thing I can really think of. Why he'd want to do that, I don't really have a reason. But you, you know what? I like that. That's what I got. Um, as far as the stabbing and the stomach goes, 
while I agree that being the final end to the kill is kind of boring most of the time, even when that's how it ends, there's something else going on within the dream that is inventive and entertaining. Okay. Um, not all the time, but some of, most of the time. Okay. Uh, like, for example, even though you guys didn't like it, uh, when he stabs uh, Christian Slater in the stomach, he had this huge invisible karate fight with him. So there was more to it than just him going, Hi, I'm Freddy, you're dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and on the, your house theory, I like your house theory, but I also think that he, he killed Nancy in part three. He, there's no, he, he won. He won that battle. So therefore, in four... He sh- he wouldn't be going back to the house because that's where he lost a battle and there's shame. He he ended up winning the war <laughs> against Nancy. Yeah, that's Thank true God. too. Um, so that just things as watching as uh, basically first time watches, even though they're really not. I have these questions. I have to ask. I have to try to figure it out. Um, but here we are at the end of Horror Coliseum, uh, Freddy versus Jason, round four. Uh, Jason came out with an easy win. I think everyone knew this was going to be easy win. I know uh, in part one, uh, a lot of people were shocked that Friday the 13th beat the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know why they're shocked. I assume they just have never actually watched Nightmare on Elm Street and seen how bad it is. Um, sorry, Jay. Um, part two, uh, that one was a real surprise. Real shocker there uh, with Nightmare 2 coming out on the top over Friday 2. I'm still a little shocked by it. Uh, part three, Nightmare on Elm Street easily won that one. That was a fucking easy walkthrough. I don't know that many people that love part three of Friday. I know Jamie does. Um, I know uh, some people like it because for a lot of them, that was the first one they saw. Yeah. But uh, that movie's boring as shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everybody can hear how I felt about it. Yeah. Uh, episode round three was very, very uppity. We, we got some hyped up moments on that one and round four. I think, uh, we, uh, we're all kind of in the same boat for a lot of this actually, which is kind of surprising. We usually have, um, uh, more confusion going on and more arguing and more debating. And we didn't really have that, but I think it is because we took a movie that, it's universally loved, and then a movie that's kind of middle of the road. It's 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 right before they go off the deep end in terribleness, um, and and it it is amazing to me for us to do that. I also want to point out that this director, Rennie Harlan, have y'all ever looked at this dude's filmography? Yeah, it's all over the place. Holy shit! Like he literally does. Uh, after A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, they're like, hey, do you want to direct the Andrew Dice Clay movie, The Avengers of Ford Fairlane? Like, and then after that, they're like, okay, Die Hard 2. Yeah. <laughs> I like Die Hard 2, though. I know. So I do I. And then they're like, here's Cliffhanger and Cutthroat Island and The Long Kiss Goodbye. And it's oh, just Long like, Kiss holy Goodbye's shit. So good. And I like and all four were, of those. Yeah, and then they're like, here's Deep Blue Sea. I didn't and know he did like, that. Yeah, he did Deep Blue Sea, and then he did Exorcist the Beginning, and The Covenant. Uh, like, dude, just fucking, like... <laughs> we should re- we should review The Covenant one of these days. Uh, I- I've never seen it, so oh, man. I'm down. <laughs> um, Whoops. Oh, way to go, Kenneth. Ruin the oh, show. Was... Oh, damn. I've got The Covenant on Blu-ray, and I was looking at Me it. Me too. 
I don't have it, but I'm I'm sure I can find it. It's like a three dollar um, Blu-ray. It's not expensive. Well, that's not a good sign. It's uh, <laughs> we should like, review that. That's like my copy of my soul to take that I've never watched, but I found it at a Goodwill for a dollar on Blu-ray, so I bought it. Same here. Fucking terrible. <laughs> and all I hear about this movie is it's super bad, except for like Andrew Shore, who's like, it's super amazing, and I'm like Sit down. No one listens to your opinions. Calm, calm. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, but we. This actually might be one of our longest horror coliseums. But there was a lot to fucking dig through. A lot to go through. Um, so Brian, uh, anything you want to pimp out real quick before we get out of here? Uh, probably just the ABCs of hidden horror. Um, we're up to letter. S just came out. So S I don't just know. came out, so yeah. We recorded T that's in the works of being stitched together and made all pretty, so that's the next one coming. Um, when we finally are done with the alphabet, we might take a little break, but then we're going to come back for season two. So it's always a good time to check us out. You got me on there. You got my far better half, Jamie, and you got a schmuck named Dave Z who kind of hangs around. And we... We make him get coffee for us. Yeah, he's from some, like, small podcast, you know. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, and check out the S episode, because I'm on it, and you want to hear me talk about fucking Suicide Club, because uh, I give a great explanation of what I think that movie means. Cause you do. Because movie you have to watch 200 fucking times to get. Um, so check out that episode. Check out uh, all that. I actually have two books that Brian's edited. Uh, as I dip my feet into uh, the world of Cthulhu and uh, weird fiction. Nice. The old timers call it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now that I realize like two movies in my top 10 horror movies of all time are directly inspired by Lovecraftian shit. What two um, would those be? Uh, obviously, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes. And then Matango. Uh, Matango nice. is based off a book by another artist, uh, author that... Uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, fucking, uh, God damn it. Cthulhu Maker, what's his name? Your guy. Lovecraft? Lovecraft actually wrote a article on how much he loved this author. Nice. I can't remember his name. Uh, so while I was doing research on Matango, I found all that out. And, uh, and I was like, well, shit, I guess I really need to, to really step in this world and kind of check it out. So I, I actually have two books. That uh, I'm I'm the slowest reader ever, but I pick up every once in a while and do another. They're all short stories, so I just kind of do another short story. Well, uh, I hope you like them. I do. It uh, it the first one I read the the uh, Kenneth you'll like this. The detective reminded me of the uh, detective from Scarlet Gospels. Oh, cool! He had that kind of fucking swagger about him. Nice. Oh, uh, uh, Harry Damone or Damone or something like that. Yeah. Harry D. Moore. That's it. Thank yeah. you. Kenneth is an expert on Harry. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Claude Barker. Yeah. Nice. Um, so with that being said, uh, we will see y'all sometime later. We In October, October is kind of a, a month where we actually don't have a lot of time, which is why we don't do the uh, big Halloween episode. This is your big Halloween episode. We brought Brian M. Salmon's. In for that, and we did Yay. Friday four. So if you want something more than that, uh, there's 200 other podcasts that are all reviewing either Halloween or Psycho uh, this month. Go <laughs> to any of them, and they got you. Um, yeah, we did Halloween. We did Halloween a long time ago. We're done with Halloween. 
Yep, uh, and uh, we talked about how it kind of sucked. Yeah, we're not the biggest fans of the original Halloween. We give it its I actually credit. Just but... watched the entire series to get ready for the new one, even though you only have to watch the first one. And Rob Zombies is still the best. I probably, I probably won't even watch the original and then go watch the other one. I, I will just because I just got the 4K of it and I want to see how it looks on my 4K screen, Kenneth. Oh yeah, you saw, uh, you saw how thrilled I was when you showed it to me when I was there. <laughs> So, uh, it's like, but he's like, Kenneth, check this out. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but coming up, uh, sometime in October or November, we'll have obviously horror Coliseum round five. We have another Jerry hates action planned where we are doing top gun. And oh, I'm so excited and for predator? that. Yeah, predator. Top gun and predator. Yeah. yeah top, top gun, gun and predator. My, one of my top 10 movies of all time. Yeah. Why don't you, uh, we knew we saw you shirtless with a volleyball in your hand and a dick in your mouth. Damn straight. Tom Cruise's um, dick. Playing yeah. with the boys. I How does yeah, Scientology taste? Absolutely sexy in that movie. Uh, <laughs> I'd ride so, his Tomcat. So, <laughs> Jerry Hates Action uh, Episode 2 will drop sometime in the near future. Uh, if all goes well, we will actually have Paul from Who Will Survive uh, Horror Podcast. So that'll be dope. And uh, other than Horror Coliseum, we don't have much plan. We have a Patreon show we're trying to do, but it's been everything keeps happening. We keep not doing it. I'm Derek sorry. understands. Uh, we will also have another underwater kaiju from outer space in October that will record next weekend, I think. So you'll get that, and then you'll probably get Horror Coliseum Volume 5, and then you'll probably get Jerry Hates Action Episode 2. Yeah. Okay, that was a fucking mouthful, and y'all know how I feel about having a mouthful. If it Ooh, ain't yeah. Kenneth, get it out. Um, so with that being said, check us out on Facebook. There is, of course, a group. There's also a group for the ABCs of Hidden Horror. Uh, you know how to search in Facebook, so I'm not going to give you the links, but the links will be in the description. Other than that, we will see y'all next time. Thank you for joining us. And if uh, you're still mad about how I talk about Heather Camp, I really don't care. Love ya. Remember I'm to gonna go write Jarvis family incest porn. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, Kenneth, you got a last line to that, or <laughs> are you Horror just excited? Porn. <laughs>